Monsters Podcast, where the host truly believe that, well, it's hard to believe that these spores could kill us. I'm Rob. I'm Kyle. And today, joining us is a very special guest. Would you mind introducing yourself? Hi, I'm Mike. Uh, I I know Rob through uh, our, our our partners or friends, but uh, I'm I'm a big time film dork, um, and Rob invited me on, and I I looked at. <laughs> the options and i saw nausicaa and i'm like i i I like i like some hayao miyazaki stuff i'll I'll come and talk about uh, i'll come and talk about the uh consequences of uh messing around with nature yes yes speaking of which today we're talking about nausicaa and the valley of the wind uh it's a yeah uh hayao miyazaki's second film i think because uh, he did yes. Loop on the Third was like the first big one, and then he did this, and then pretty quickly after is when like everyone was like, "Let's give money to this guy and make like Studio Ghibli like yeah. popped off," you know. Um, yep. Uh, but before we talk about these spores, we should talk about these scores of news. These new that was bad. news items. That was bad, Rob. Bad Come on, land. man. You've done this better in the past. Uh, All right, so we do have we do have some news. Um, so last week it's actually really funny. Last week we were talking about the Gamera anime, and we talked about how we didn't know anything about like any of the creatives <laughs> behind the yeah. anime. Well, well, as always, uh, the day after we talked about that, we got the announcement of everybody behind the Gamera anime. Um, so, uh, there are two really big things of note in this, uh, a lot of names, obviously that some people will recognize, but there's two very specific things that have kind of blown up the internet. Um, so the first is the director. So the director is, uh, Hiroyuki, uh, Shishita, uh, and the, he is of note in the, uh, monster community, kaiju community. Uh, he directed the three, he did uh, the anime. Now, here's the thing. He did not write the Godzilla anime films. No. Um, he also had a lot of stipulations from Toho about what he could and couldn't do as far as the monster fights and everything to do with that. So it doesn't really give us a good glimpse of who he is as a director from the anime films, but his other stuff does give us a glimpse of some of the stuff yeah. that he's done. Keep in mind, he directed a lot of... Um, uh, what, what was the thing before that? Uh, it left my brain. Well, he did He did uh, Blame and knockoff Blame, Knights of Sidonia. Uh, Knights of Sidonia. That's yeah. the one that I was thinking of. Uh, yeah. And uh, I loved Blame, but that's because I... Blame. Blame, not Blame. 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 <laughs> uh, I love the manga of Blame, and I love uh, like all the stuff that got... Like, Snicket. Did you guys ever read that? The Wolverine mm-hmm. comic? Uh, mm-hmm. The Wolverine manga, which they oh. gave... That was his first... <laughs> thing and they did blame and they did biomass and they did a bunch of other like really like gritty manga from like that era of the 2000s super cool very like if tool made a manga kind of situation it's good stuff um the blame does a really good job of taking the actual comic snipping down like five 
volumes worth of lore and being like, how can I tell one story with like bits across an entire huge storyline? And he did that and he compressed it down into an hour and a half long movie and it works. So uh, he's not like, listen, I have my problems with the anime, the the Godzilla anime, but I, I, I don't think it's specifically him as a director. I think it's I like, don't think the directing is the problem. Yeah. With those movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so a lot of people on the internet freaked out about that. Uh, it's I, I think it's it's fine. Um, now um, I, I briefly mentioned the the two writers for this, uh, Kinta Inohara and Koji Seko. Um, they have uh, oh, and there's a couple more uh, Tetsuya Yamada and Hiroki yeah. Shishita as well. Uh, but uh, they uh, they have some really good uh, stuff in their in their. Uh, repertoire yeah so uh so i think it's in good hands as far as that is concerned now especially where it's in good hands we definitely talked about this last episode Hmm. is the uh the uh uh animation who's doing the animation of this uh we were like oh who is it is it an internal thing no so it's being done by uh ng um the studio who uh did all the the animation for dragon ball superhero the most recent uh 3D animated yeah. Dragon Ball movie that just came out. Looks good. Which had gorgeous animation uh, that did a really good job of capturing that Toriyama style while still being CG, yeah. like 3D animation. Um, which we know the camera is going to have the 3D animation, so that's yeah. great. Uh, it looks like they're in their wheelhouse. Um, so that's good news. Uh, good stuff there. Uh, there's like I said, there's some stuff about the writers and stuff, but I don't know about enough about it to really tell you. Uh, and I just tried to look up a couple of them, but I couldn't find their exact. Yeah. Words, so I was um... I was googling around <laughs> for them beforehand. I will say that uh, uh, the director does get a writing credit, so he's going to get a chance to flex his own specific. At least he's writing, yeah, a episode or something, because there's yeah. six episodes. So I'm sure six each episodes one has a four writer. writers. I'm very curious yeah, so, to see if they're yeah. going to do kind of like that, um, like where it's just like. You, you get Virus. You have it entirely by yourself, yes. you know? Or if it's, like, multiple writers per episode. We'll, we'll see. You know, like, if there's one who's kind of like, this is my vision, and then, like, I'm t- I'm coaching the secondary writer to do X, Y, and Z with this kind yeah. of stuff. So we'll see. It eh, should be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the next piece <laughs> of news is really funny. Uh, Rob. I, I sent this as a joke because I <laughs> it's saw a it. Joke. I saw it on I saw it on Twitter and I was like, oh, we cover dinosaurs. We talk about dinosaurs here from time to time, you know. Uh, every once in a while, we'll have like a full month of dinosaurs. Well, you know uh, what? Coming up, <laughs> we should we should talk about Barney. That's right. In 2024, uh, Barney makes his return fully CGI. Uh, 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 I I can't even remember the Do You Love Me theme song anymore. Uh, I love you. You love me. You love- we all love being inside Barney's costume. No? So, so I, I, you, you mentioned this to me last night when we were talking, and I looked it up, and they've managed to settle on like, uh, I, I didn't know you could do Uncanny Valley for it's, like yeah, a right? costume because a mascot's already the Uncanny Valley of yes. like real things, and they've somehow managed it. I, I don't care for this. <laughs> That's, I yeah, I'm not a fan of the new design. It's a little ooh no. <laughs> I, I I don't know if it's maybe just like it, it's the eyes are too far apart, like too, too human or not human enough or like not obviously fake enough. I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. Like, and lizard brain is just going. 
Don't like that. Something's wrong here. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we don't have much news outside of that. Uh, no, uh, it's just a, just a one, fun little bit. One tweet sure. already went uh, pretty viral from a, a right-wing uh, commentator. Oh, they're going to make Barney woke. And I'm like, oh God, that's yeah. the funniest thing that any human has ever said, ever. <laughs> But it is a cursed Barney era. Is the definition of woke. I think if that's, you're going by. If you, by your point. standards, I think that's like kind of the whole reason he's around. Um, but uh, but uh, yeah. V. <laughs> I kind of wish they had gone like the the funny like fan art stuff that we've seen over the years of like doing a realistic T. Oh yeah, of, like having him bar- be Barney, uh, <laughs> where he's <laughs> learning to love everybody, but he's just like an actual T. Rex. <laughs> the, the, the other the other way you can go is just like a very lifelike humanoid form, like yes. a dog yes. in Manhattan, <laughs> but purple and with the dinosaur head, with the dinosaur head floating, <laughs> floating in. <laughs> scream oh, and then chris hansen breaks down the door and tackles him to the ground immediately immediately <laughs> and then the rest of the the rest of the episodes are him uh at least uh, uh 30 feet away from any schools <laughs> that was um, a bad joke he said dr manhattan and immediately i was like i know where this is going <laughs> So, okay, so the next piece of news is re- is uh, uh, regarding the Toho Godzilla film that we were getting on November 3rd. Yeah. Uh, we got a couple of little news bits about it. Uh, the first one, which is we all kind of probably already assumed this, but it's just confirmation that the Godzilla is going to be produced via CGI. Um, that's not surprising. All of Shin Godzilla was done with CGI. They originally had a puppet, but they cut the puppet because they figured out they could do it in CG and it was going to look just as good, uh, if not better. Um, and for what it's worth, I think the CGI in, in Shin Godzilla specifically is really, really well done. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very realistic looking. I think the CG, like the blending of it with the real world elements is very, very well done. Yeah. So I have no problem with this news. I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's decent news. Um, but I understand how people are going to be like upset because they want tokusatsu effects. They want the old suits back, you know? Um, I think a lot of people were hoping, uh, there was that boss coffee yeah ad that did the suit with the cgi add-on to the seat to the suit that i think a lot of people were maybe hoping for something like that but you know what are you gonna do um yeah so the other piece of news though um is 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 a clarification and i think it's a very important clarification yeah um so toho is not <laughs> i repeat not creating a cinematic universe with this next godzilla movie yeah. this isn't like the well, start of Toho's MonsterVerse. This is their the, own movie. The phrasing that a lot of fans latched on to was Toho's own. And we were even kind of confused about, like, what does this mean? Uh, they were saying, we're going to do the world of Godzilla. That was their their phrasing from, like, God, way back in, like, 2020 or maybe even 2021. When, it, was, it was earlier than that. Yeah. It, was, it was, yeah, like, it was, it was even like, before King of the Monsters like, came out, I yeah, think. Yeah, this is going to be our next big push. We're going to make, you know, world of Godzilla. And then... Two years passed, and then we got like I don't know, like a, a Monopoly game or something. Like it was just like a huge nothing <laughs> burger, and I was like, okay, so it means nothing. And then like back to back to back to back, it was like new games. And now we've just gotten everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like it's like okay, they properly meant a world of Godzilla in which they are taking the IP, they are spreading it across the globe, and that means T-shirts, yes. hot sauces, coffees, uh, yeah. Boss Coffee commercials. Uh, uh, CGI shorts, uh, and, but not a cinematic universe because Marvel has twisted the brains of fandoms everywhere. And we expect when someone that is a movie maker says, we're going to make a world of blank. 
what they actually assume is like, oh, okay, they were going to make a cinematic universe. That's not the right. case in this this instance. Right. Um, so, so yeah, no, hundred <laughs> percent. I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, the so uh, there's two things with this. So. This does not necessarily mean that this Godzilla movie coming on November third is not going to get a sequel. It's Correct. very possible that it could get a sequel. It could have, it could have spinoffs, but it's not the intention to make a new shared universe <laughs> where there's um, the Godzilla movie, <laughs> then there's the Rodan movie, Rodan, build up the Mothra, to the, you know, yeah. That's not necessarily up, what they're a, bi- a build up to the eventual hetero movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's one I want. That's one I want a modern remake out of. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, but the other side of this news is actually even more confirmation of something that we had already kind of been rumoring about and also just like kind of talking about it on the cast like it was already happening without official word is the reason why they're not doing a shared universe of their own is because they are going all in on the MonsterVerse from here forward and investing more money in it, uh, getting producing credit on uh, some of the MonsterVerse stuff going forward as well, not just being like, you know, rights reserved to Toho. Like they're actually going to be part of the production and stuff like that. Um, we we heard a lot about it with the the Godzilla show, the TV Apple TV show that's coming out soon. Um, that they they're involved in that, um, especially because some of that movie is taking place in Japan. Uh, our show, sorry. Um, so this is just kind of further confirmation that uh, Toho is going to still do their own stuff. Yeah, like like you know, with their own standalone stuff. But they are they are fully in on the MonsterVerse Godzilla being kind of the world brand Godzilla kind of the you know it's yeah. the it's the it's the franchise Godzilla right we can yeah. do our weird stuff separately but we'll still have our franchise Godzilla that's you know in the monsterverse with Kong yeah um which is which is it's just cool to get confirmation of that like once again we uh, Kiyoe and I a long time ago uh, from our discord we talked about that being possibly the avenue that Toho was going to go as being more involved with the production. Yeah. And uh, even she said way back in the day that that was most likely the case. Yeah. Um, so hearing this now, it's like, oh, so pretty much exactly what we thought because of the success <laughs> of the MonsterVerse, they're going to be like, well, why why make it ourselves when we can just have them make it for us and it make us tons of money? I mean, that's yeah. you know business 101, right? I mean, um, it, uh, does this mean that the the Shin universe, a cinematic universe, is not happening anymore? Well, see, that's the thing. Once again, I think this still leaves it open for that to be a possibility. Like yeah. they're not, they're, like obviously, we never got a Shin Godzilla sequel, uh, even though there was the he wanted to do raids again, but they were like, no, no. Um, <laughs> um, but I think, I think if there is that big crossover movie with Shin Ultraman, Shin Common Rider, Evangelion, that is a possibility now. Yeah. Um. I think that it could exist because Toho's only doing standalone stuff. So there's no, it's not, they're not going to make Shin sequels. It's just, oh, this is this one crossover movie with yeah. Shin Godzilla. And that's it. And it's like, okay, well, I'm, I guess I'm that's willing cool. to bet that the Shin universe stuff that we keep hearing about is just the same as Godzilla World. It just, it is oh, I just think so too. a branding right. opportunity where it's like cool pictures, cool, cool, yeah, toys, like, you know, toys with toys like color palettes, and, art, t shirts, hot sauces. Uh, that that particular machine with the Evangelion oh. Godzilla is so cool. Oh my god! What a what a what a knife in the back, you know? Just like, <laughs> please give me a, a good video game. Give me a good mecha video game. Give me a, well, hey, listen, FromSoft is going to make a new armor core, so I'm going to get a good mecha game eventually. But in the meantime, <laughs> give me a good Ava game, you know? I'm I'm starved here. And then they said, oh sure. We'll make it a pachinko machine. Have and a then, pachinko machine. <laughs> then, uh, then uh, 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 Anno showed up behind me with a, a knife and stabbed it into my spine. And I went, ah, oh, God, I'm dying. 
yeah, and we're gonna have amazing animated cutscenes that are yes, fully rendered like movie quality stuff yeah. that's only available on but, said pink, pachinko machine. In a pachinko machine. <laughs> so you gotta watch it while there's like 500 people screaming at the top of their lungs and smoking cigarettes next to you. Yeah, because because well, another thing with the Shin Universe stuff is we do have uh, so we have we already have the the big old uh uh zipline ride yeah uh, with the museum on the on the island in japan yeah. and then we have uh, with the full-size shin godzilla statue and then we have um there's the uh shin universe thing that's a traveling like ride attraction right now yeah that has a uh v two like three vr uh experiences one ava one shin godzilla and mm-hmm. one shin ultraman that are like you know like little rides you sit in a yeah. chair with a vr helmet on and it throws you around and stuff like that yeah um but yeah i i think it's branding i mean it you never know i mean the only thing that makes me say no is we just we just had shin ultraman and in shin ultraman they literally cut the reference to godzilla in every version except the japanese version so yeah. well, it's a little i i think that maybe yeah we're we're not gonna get anything out of it yeah <laughs> but um but anyway um <laughs> So speaking of Shin Ultraman, uh, yeah. let's cross into that real quick. So we talked about how we we did get confirmation that a Blu-ray is coming to the states uh, for Shin Ultraman. A company had bought the rights, um, and now we do have uh, the date for that uh, release. Um, so it is getting a Blu-ray release on June thirteenth of this year. Uh, so all of you people that were wanting to see, you know didn't catch it in theaters and still want to see it or were fans of it and want to own it. Uh, June 13 is your date. Um, so it's good stuff for you guys. I Yeehaw. probably won't buy it. <laughs> but, yeah. I think um, I'm good. It was, it was uh, fun. I, it was I, I, I saw it enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only thing with the Blu-ray, just like every Blu-ray for a Japanese release in America, there's like no special features. Just, just know that going in. Yeah. There's no making of. There's no anything like that. Uh, so very light on special features, which isn't surprising. The only time we get stuff like that is when it's like Arrow Video that comes in and does like a, yeah, you know, blast of a giant release, like with the Dimension set and the Gamera mm. set, obviously, which were still the standard that I would love everyone to live up to, but yeah. it's not going to happen. Uh, Rob, before oh. we start, I do have something that you're going to have to do, and I need to say it now before I forget. Okay. Make a note. You need to go back to what I was talking about, the Shin Ultraman Blu-ray. Yeah, and edit out the part where I talk about no special features because Kioe literally just posted in our Discord being like, and this time the U.S. release has special features. Okay, well hold on a second. Can you? Can you <laughs> hold on? Let me give me a time code here. Uh, I don't know what one, it was. <laughs> no, 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 not that. Uh, give me. I'm gonna write down time code, and then if you could write down the special features that Kioe listed, I'm gonna splice oh, I, your I audio know. in. No, Kioe didn't list the special features. Oh. She just said. It is going to have special features. Okay, well, in that case, uh, so just edit out that section. Kyle, Uh, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the, I'm gonna leave that in, but then I'm gonna, there's gonna be a static, and then it's gonna be your audio from here. I'm not even gonna say future off. It's just gonna be. (laughs) Hey, you're gonna have to edit that part out because the. Anyway, moving away from Japanese stuff. uh, So uh, it's a big anniversary for Jurassic Park this year. It is the 30th anniversary. so uh, we're getting uh, a lot of toys that are classic, like, remakes of, like, the original Jurassic Park toys. Yeah. So we're getting uh, a couple of, like, sets, one with uh, Alan Grant with a giant missile launcher and a Gallimimus <laughs> and a little Velociraptor. And then we're getting uh, Ian Malcolm with a big glider. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. It's peak 90s toys. 
Um, and then we're getting a a, 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 a Jeep that is a, it was a toy that got prototyped, but never released back in the 90s. And so they're releasing a version of it now that is the real version. Um, with a, it's, it's the Jurassic Park, it's the, the, um, the tour vehicle Jeep, but it's got a different color scheme. Like it's got blue instead of the green. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's really cool. It's a very unique toy. Um, and then the big daddy or big mama of the toys is uh, it's a uh, big old T-Rex that is a combination of two uh, old Jurassic Park toys. It is uh, the original uh, stomp T-Rex that came in Jurassic Park 1 mm-hmm. uh, that you could just like slam it on the ground. And it could make stomping noises. <laughs> um and uh, it, 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 but so it's it, the distinct thing about it was it has a very like red and brown color scheme. It's very like different from what we saw in the movie. It's more close to what it's described as in the book, funny mm. enough. Um, and uh, the other toy it's a combination with is the Bull T Rex from Lost World, which was able to eat toys and it has like a slit in the stomach that you can pull the toys oh. out of. So it's a combination <laughs> of the two toys. Um, and uh, the big thing about this is that. Most modern Jurassic Park toys are a hard plastic with very few exceptions. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the exceptions that has the rubber, like, realistic feel skin to it, just like yeah. the old Jurassic Park toys. Um, so very cool throwback toys uh, coming coming to Target exclusively very soon uh, for this, well, this whole year. Supposedly, we're getting a bunch of announcements, probably the new animated show that's been rumored we're going to get an announcement for this year. Uh, maybe a game announcement would be yeah. great. A, a real Jurassic Park <laughs> game would be would be nice please please <laughs> please um don't set yourself up for pain kyle i know i know just all the time it's, all the time <laughs> like they 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 burned that franchise yesterday or well, a year ago they were like oh well you know yeah. you know they, they were they're just like hey you know what's movie. great you know what's great about jurassic park we're only going to do park sims that's the only <laughs> game you're ever going to get for the rest of your life yeah. no first person shooter no survival game no no nah, nah, nah. Well, just build the park and watch it fail. That's Jurassic all you Park get. Survivor was a, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Well, eh. <laughs> look, look, you 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 could take uh, what was it? I, Alien Isolation. Take some of the AI that they used uh, in that, and and you you that, could have it be a Velociraptor. Could, yeah, yeah, you could make yeah. that a Velociraptor. They're basically the same shape, even <laughs> like you don't even it, you can yeah, you absolutely. can still reuse a good chunk of that model. Yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. And there are, and to be fair to indie developers, there are a couple of games that we've talked about on the cast that we that are <laughs> that. that. There's that. A, yeah. There's there's this there's one distinctly that looks like a next gen game that's going to come out on PS5 and everything that uh, I can't wow. remember the name of it. Oh, Primal something. Uh, uh... For I don't sure. remember, but it, it, it's uh, it's an indie Fury. developed game. But like yeah. we we we've, we've talked about it multiple times with the cast because every t- every once in a while screenshots will pop up. And yeah, it looks, looks mind blowingly gorgeous. <laughs> like it's it's amazing, and it's a survival uh, first person shooter. So yeah. Um, hey, we're just of... not getting that from Jurassic Park. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what we are getting though. Uh, ah. the the weirdest crossover I have ever. I I've never <laughs> thought of this. When I think of like Toho monsters I want to fight, I've literally the wheels have never clicked into these two positions. And now mm. that I know that it's happening, I've never been more excited for a fight ever. <laughs> so uh, the Godzilla Rivals comic has been going on for a little while. We I, we haven't talked about it on the podcast other than that they exist. But every time I read one of the synopses, I'm like, God, I can't wait to cover this. Um, but they have a new one coming out that is Biolante versus Destroyer. 
it, it looks incredible. Uh, it is a, a very like cartoonishly very pink, uh, very crab colored uh, Destroya, and then there's a giant Biolante growing up from behind Destroya, and then mm-hmm. to add. Add in here, uh, there are humans that have been clearly infested with Biolante. So there's like flowers growing out of them and like vines yeah. taking They're over like their plant, bodies. Plant zombies. Yeah. yeah plant, plant zombie people. Rose yeah. zombies. Yeah. It looks like awesome. convenient timing given that The Last of Us is now like taking right? everything by storm. <laughs> oh my God. Well, right. hey, we're going to talk about spores too. So Last of Us is on That's the docket. Uh, it's on the <laughs> it's on the menu for this evening. Let me tell you. Um, and yeah, so for context of people who don't know about Rivals, so Rivals started out being uh, just really unique individual Godzilla versus battles. So it was a versus Hedera versus Mothra versus Ghidorah versus Batra versus Gigan. And they're all like individual in their own little own universes with their own stories and their own art style and their own takes. So they're kind of just one-off issues of comics with under the Godzilla Rivals brand. And then recently we've had two before this that were also wild matchups of Rodan versus Ebra, the lobster, and then Mothra versus Titanosaurus. Uh, was the the one right before this one, and then now we're getting Biolante versus Destroya, um, which is which is great because that's one of the things we've talked about with the comics in the past, especially IDW's run on things. Yeah, uh, they have been amazing at throwing matchups that we would never expect to see in a film onto a comic page. Like for instance, with Rulers of Earth, we had Jet Jaguar jumping into a Mechagodzilla to freeze Destroya, like. What? <laughs> like, that would never happen in a movie. That's so wild. Or, uh, you know, we got the Godzilla versus Zilla rematch, yeah. you know, in, in, in Rulers of Earth. So we're getting, like, lots of, like, uh, Godzilla versus the Gargantuas. Yeah. Uh, from War of the Gargantuas was another fun one. So, like, they're really playing into that here. They're really yeah. playing into, like, let's just throw two Toho monsters at each other and have them fight and see what they see what comes of it. Let's just um, get two toys and slap them together. And that's that's yes. all that's all it should ever have been, right? That's all it should be. <laughs> um but yeah uh so yeah we're we're you know as we say with every comic that we talk about it's on our list uh our godzilla comic list is very extensive we covered the first half of dark horse last year yeah so we're we at least covered some uh but we've got so many idw we've got the other half of dark horse we've got uh the the manga for 85 that officially got released in the states that we can talk about uh and and the rivals is definitely one that's gonna be it's gonna be weird i think we're gonna have to break it up into two issues well they're yeah because they're they're individual things but but they're they're not long enough yeah they're not long enough to be a full i could do a uh, signals run of that maybe maybe because they they seem super short but i also haven't read one so i don't know they're um, about they're about a hundred. Well, some of them are a hundred pages. Some of them are like seventy. Oh well. So then, yeah, yeah. maybe we could do a full episode. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe we'll see. Yeah. I mean, we're not starved for content. Very true. <laughs> um, um, speaking of starving. Oh wait. Sorry. Yeah. No, I was just gonna. Uh, that was I was gonna transition. Oh. If you want to transition? You're gonna... <laughs> no, that's <laughs> good. I was gonna say. Speaking of starving, I'm starving for a break. Uh, do you want? So do you want to take? Do you want to take a break before we start talking about Nausicaa? Is a, is, we're, we're doing thumbs up, doing but thumbs it's an auditory medium. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. All right. After these messages, we'll be right back. A monster will destroy us all. Prehistoric monster. A monster will destroy us all. Sure, look at that monster. A monster will destroy us all. Prehistoric monster. A monster. This monster you'll see. You think your thumbs will stop him? And we are back to talk about. 
Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind. Of the Valley of the Wind? Of the Valley and of the, the Valley of the Wind? Of the Valley of the Wind. It's of the Valley of, of the, the Valley wind. of the Wind. No. Because it's Warriors of the, of the Wind. The, the, the Western <laughs> release. Well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, this movie has a lot going on in its plot. Uh, so I, I've written down, I try, uh, guys, I tried, I tried to minimize my notes here. I, I did a second pass where I removed a lot of the dumb bits because it's like, it's kind of a serious movie. There's not really a lot of room for me to make dumb, dumb hoo-hahs and bing, bing, wahoos. So let me just like parse down a little bit. And I still ended up with like four pages of notes. <laughs> um, and this is just the plot. So I'm going to go through this, and then we'll be able to, to to hoot and holler and talk about all kinds of things. But because I had to cut down some things, if I miss something, feel free to interject, and we will uh, discuss uh, lively. <clears throat> 1,000 years ago, during the Seven Days of Fire, giant biomechanical warriors strode across the land and incinerated the planet, ending our industrial age. As their bloody campaign ended, new life emerged to, to make the planet their own. Massive insects, known as the Ohm, and a fungal forest that spread toxic spores into the air. With this, humanity was slowly pushed to the far corners of the world. Our story takes place in one of these remaining post-industrial kingdoms, the Valley of the Wind. Nausicaa, the resident action apprentice and avid glider enthusiast, is fascinated by the toxic forests and the bugs making them their home. Like a cool version of Rey from Star Wars, we start the show with Nausicaa exploring the cover art of a totally cool prog rock album from the 80s, while a rocking synth, uh, sorry, a rocking sitar plays in the background. Uh, uh, after removing the hollow eye cap from uh, a dead ohm's shell, she takes a quick nap in some toxic snow. Wow, lady, maybe don't get covered in the spores that could wipe out your entire village? Anyway, it turns out that someone's in trouble. And it's not just any someone, it's Patrick Stewart. And he's being chased by an ohm that's pissed off that he stole its pet cat. Or rather, a fox squirrel? Don't worry, because Nausicaa knows just how to calm down a giant rampaging bug. That's right, flashbangs! And like, a duck call but for birds? Or uh, for bugs? Okay. <laughs> Nausicaa and Patrick Stewart make their way back to the Valley of the Wind. Uh, but only after the princess befriends the fox squirrel by letting it bite the shit out of her hand. <clears throat> P.S. Hey kids, don't try this at home. I've been letting Mochi bite the hell out of me for years, and she still doesn't ride on my shoulder. <laughs> so our heroes return to their home and meet Nasca's dad, the bedridden king, an all-around swell guy. Turns out life is pretty rough for people living on the edge of a toxic forest, and as the spores slowly infect your body, you become paralyzed. Wow, what is this, Last of Us? That night, as Patrick Stewart gives everyone an update on how bad things are for humanity... <laughs> a crazy local woman, Obaba, jumps in to say that one man in blue standing on a golden field of grass will one day save us. Neat. Anyway, that evening, as a storm hits, a massive flying warship from Tomika crashes in, <laughs> makes a crash landing into Nausicaa's kingdom, and their cargo is very mysterious indeed. Listel, the now-dead princess of the kingdom of Pegite, and the throbbing cocoon of a giant warrior. Bum, bum, bum. Oh no, this doesn't bode well for our peaceful little kingdom. Neither do all those toxic spores that fell off the ship. 
well, at least the worst of that is over, and we can focus on rebuilding, uh, unless a battalion of Tamika ships arrives the very next day to really bust the place up. On top of that, they kill Nausicaa's dad unceremoniously by blasting the paralyzed king in his bed, sending the princess on a rage-fueled quest for revenge. What is this? Last of Us 2? No, because Patrick Stewart is here to <laughs> calm her down. Number one, let's not fight these invaders in your dad's bedroom. They'll just have, they have tanks outside and they could just definitely murder us to bits. Make it so. The commander of the Tamekan army, Kushana, steps forward, admonishing Patrick Stewart for trying to stop them. After all, they just wanted to talk. And the beginning of every good Telmican negotiation starts by murdering a prominent member of the opposing force. Come on, man. Chill out. Telmica is hoping to retrieve the giant warrior in hopes of burning down the toxic jungle. But Obaba lets Kushana know that if she uses that, uh, if she burns down the forest, it's just going to make the Ohm mad. And then the Ohm are going to like rampage, die, and then turn into new forests of spores. It's a bad scene, man. Kushana informs Nausicaa that they'll be <laughs> that they'll take anything that they want, including five hostages and the Valley of the Wind's only gunship back to Telmika. Meanwhile, her right-hand man will stay behind and work to hatch the giant warrior. We learn before they leave that Nausicaa has discovered that the fungal plants, <laughs> if they're given fresh and clean water, grow up and become harmless to humans. Wow, neat! Turns out, just like our bodies, they're being filled with lead and microplastics, and that's making them poisonous. Nausicaa, once, <laughs> Nausicaa goes full-on pacifist from here on, which is a real shame, because war were declared. <laughs> the Prince of Pegite is here for revenge, uh, uh, to revenge his sister uh, with his gunship that is holding Nausicaa and her, uh, her, cap ally ugh, her allies captive. Nasca breaks free and manages to save her friends from uh, and Commander Kushana uh, uh, by some quick piloting and extreme confidence. An ohm shows up uh, after uh, Nasca lands and also cocoons her. But don't worry, it's just a talk. Man, what's up with these negotiation strategies? Anyway, as she has to leave, uh, as she leaves her crew behind. Uh, uh, the bug whispers that the Pegite uh, prince is still alive. And hey, he's a cutie to boot. But uh-oh, he's like Danny DeVito, and he's started blasting. Uh, which has upset the bugs and sent them skittering after him. What is this? Skull Island's bug pit? So uh, she rescues the prince, but they fall into uh, the deep side of the forest and sink at the quicksand at the bottom. Nazca has a quick flashback where we see her befriend a baby ohm as a child, and the people of the village were not fans. So they took the bug to a farm upstate, if you know what I mean. I mean, they killed the baby bug. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Nasca and the prince find themselves in a breathable space beneath the forest. Turns out the forest is absorbing toxins from the planet's water supply and purifying it, creating fresh, uh, fresh water and nutrient-rich sand. Maybe there's hope for humanity after all. Ah, but the bugs are protective of... <laughs> but the bugs are protective of the jungle, which uh, uh, <laughs> which would lead to a mess if we ever tried to... Bleh. But the bugs are protective of the jungle uh, uh, as it spreads across the world. Ugh, I really typoed this whole sentence. <laughs> the bugs are very protective of the jungle, 
which means that humanity can never coexist with the bugs because they hate the toxic jungle. Yes. Meanwhile, <laughs> it's a shame that humans and bugs can't live in harmony. Meanwhile, in the uh, in an underground lair, the Tomekin soldiers work, work to hatch the giant warrior. And to make matters worse, some of the spores from the Tomekin ship carrying the warrior have infected the forest around the Valley of the Wind. Aw, oh, jeez. Back with Nausicaa uh, uh, and the prince, we find that all of Pejite has been attacked and destroyed by a war between Tomeka, Pejite, and some Ohm. What are they doing here? Yikes. Pejite knows that the Telmekans are holed up in the Valley of the Wind and have come up with a plan. Draw out a herd of pissed-off Ohm and use them to kill the Tomekan army. Which means that that's why they, the Ohm are at their own home. Like they, they literally just like summoned the giant bugs into their own city to kill the Tomekan warriors and then just made their whole city unlivable. Destroyed their whole ass. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Not look who was lead first of all, Rob, look who was leading them. Very true. Second of all, <laughs> they used we Bowser's clown car. <laughs> they I get into that. But it, 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 it was Mark Hamill, which means, you know, every time he shows up in a voice cast, you know he's not going to be a good guy. <laughs> he's going to be the bad guy. <laughs> uh, oh uh, Seems short-sighted. <laughs> On top of that, sending a stampede of bugs towards the Valley of the Wind is not cool. And Nausicaa is not a fan, but she's kidnapped again and thrown into jail on the Pegite ship. Meanwhile, back at home, war, war never changes. Unless maybe involves giant bugs. That's pretty new, I guess. That's right. An uprising has begun at Nausicaa's, uh, uh, as Nausicaa's people and the Tolmecan army duke it out. All while the Pegite airship races towards them. But the Tomekin army is also in hot pursuit of the Pegite. The queen tries to help Nausicaa escape by dressing her in a pink servant's outfit before sneaking her past some guards. But that plan doesn't last for long as their ship is boarded by Tomekins. Oh no! Don't worry though, because just in the nick of time, Patrick Stewart arrives to save the day. Phew! Now the 50 or so Pegite that are still alive won't have to suicide bomb themselves in a room filled with children. Jesus, what a scene. He's like he, <laughs> Mark Hamill's character lights a match and is holding it over like a stick of dynamite, and he's like, "We'll fight to the death." And it's like, "No, you won't. You'll die. You'll just die. That's not fighting. You're just gonna die. That's not. Yeah. <laughs> Look, Hurry. I understand. I understand. Char Aznable is on the ship with you, but that doesn't mean you have to commit suicide. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry, Nazca, get back to the valley and save your people from the stampede." The princess arrives just outside of town in time to see the Pegite warriors dragging a baby injured ohm through the air uh, off of the, the Bowser. Uh, Bowser's clown car. Bowser clown car. <laughs> yep. I didn't yep. even make that connection until just now. It's very good. The instant I saw it, I sent Rob a picture of the Bowser Bowser in his clown car <laughs> without context. <laughs> uh, 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 she leaps off of her glider and smashes into the goofy bug carrying reverse hot air balloon. <laughs> clown car uh, and smashes it into the ground then hugs the baby ohm only to be coated with its blue blood wow now she's wearing all blue again well now that the grievously injured child <laughs> and a bunch <laughs> well now there's a grievously injured child and a bunch of pissed off parents I guess even with giant bugs war doesn't really change after all what if we I don't know what if we had a giant monster that was part Shin Godzilla and part Hedora would that change things no, but it sure looks cool. Kushana, having broken free from the people of the Valley of the Wind, awakens the giant warrior and has it attack the Ohm. But it looks like the warrior was a little underbaked and quickly begins to melt. Yeesh. 
Nausicaa, having sustained some serious injuries from gunfire and getting pushed into a lake of acid, convinces the Pegite warriors to deliver the baby Ohm in front of the stampede, hoping she can stop this fight. But oh no! The Ohm are blind with rage and smash into Nausicaa. And like a Pikachu with 300% damage, she goes flying off stage. <laughs> they gather around, uh, the Ohm gather around Nausicaa, uh, seemingly, uh, seemingly being calmed by her sacrifice, and then use her, their ET powers to heal her with some glowing golden tentacles. Wait a minute, that's just like the prophecy, with a man standing in uh, a field of gold wearing blue. Wow, <laughs> thanks movie, thanks for repeating that thing. Now I know exactly what you're trying to say. <laughs> to be fair, it's a two-hour runtime. <laughs> I feel like I feel retreading it for at least for me. I was I was thankful that they brought that back because I did get the oh yeah All we right. did mention this like two hours and a world away, didn't we? It's just so weird because she wears blue throughout the entire beginning and is only not wearing blue because of like for a split second. A and yeah. <laughs> uh. Uh. uh Oh, then uh, for like five minutes, the characters keep pointing to Nazca and saying, wow, look at what's happening as baby Nazca's off key child voice singing plays in the background. And so the day is saved by extreme pacifism. And thank goodness that always works. And now humanity and the bugs can live in harmony as long, that is, as no one makes any loud noises. (laughs) <laughs> now let's get back to rebuilding the valley's forest as we await our slow paralysis test from the toxic toxic spores. The end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's. I, uh, I that did was a write summary. I did write in a little bracket, you know, unless uh, Nasca is able to cure them, which she implied she was working on inside of her like healthy fungus basement. So uh, yeah, but she also killed the everything in her. Fungus basement. I mean, because she's she, only gone for like a day. She, she, she did the research. She, 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 she's got the idea, right? She's gone for like less than a day. The plants aren't going to die that fast. She could probably turn the well back on. You know, it's probably fine. Maybe, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Besides, it probably took her like a week to figure that out. I guess I don't know. She's, she's, she's figuring it out. It is a very sort of like confined time period that this film. It takes is. Place yes. Over. It's. It's a very eventful week for the Valley <laughs> really of the Wind. Is. God, that's what I was. That's what I was trying to say. Like, uh, having never seen this movie before, like whenever the whenever the uh, the the military guys show up, it's very sudden. Like, obviously, you have the crash the night before, but yeah. then all of a sudden, the military guys. Oh my god! And it's just like, what is happening right now? The military were here, <laughs> and then they kill the king like off screen, and it's like, what the. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess Miyazaki's films aren't exact, don't exactly follow the Disney rules, but they don't tend to show like a lot of death. On no, the they don't show true. a lot of that's like true. people dying. They show like, I mean, the most we well, got is like a burning hand. They show people dying, but they don't yeah. show the body being yeah killed. They don't show the death. Yeah, yeah, they don't show the death. They show either the Which, aftermaths like, of it or the right before of it. I, I like, yeah. I don't know that I like, you know, I could convert to extreme pacifism if my like bedridden father was like murderated, blasted in the face just with a like, bunch of guns, with like eight hundred <laughs> dudes standing around. Like, I don't know that I would immediately be like, you know what, I should reject all violence. <laughs> But Nausicaa's a better, better, better person than me, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that, that was, it was supposed to be the whole her stabbing. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, she realizes, which narratively, metaphorically works really well. Any violence and rage that she put out was like also harming her friends. So it's like, okay, boop, yeah. done. Yeah. So it's, it's clever. 
It's, it works. Yeah. But it's also like, yeah, boy, oh boy, unceremoniously killing the dad after like he said five lines of like, hello, doctor, I'm paralyzed <laughs> because of the spores. Hope you're doing I, I good. I also do really love the, this movie's, uh, and I saw someone else point this out, um, the fact that they very specifically um, cover over the mouths of a lot of characters so that it's yeah. easier to voice act for it. Like, <laughs> Patrick Stewart's character has this huge cartoonishly bushy mustache that yeah. just covers his whole lower half of his face. Yep. yep. <laughs> like, How is, listen, I, I've had a mustache and a beard several times throughout the uh, the pandemic, <laughs> How the hell do you shove one of those that big old broom of a beard into a mask? All right, <laughs> I, I don't that's a very it. good point. Yeah, oh, just, yeah. Just, oh. I buy the me with, me with my beard, just as short as it is, was a problem in the masks era. Uh, <laughs> that yeah. dude's dying. Uh, <laughs> I, so th- this is like a really this is a really fun little movie. It's definitely like it. It's definitely that first chunk of his like yeah. canon of work where it, it's yeah. very environmentalist. It's very much. Like it, it has this feeling that we can change something. Like yeah, yeah, while also being extremely bleak, yes. which is also yes. kind of a Miyazaki thing as well. To be yeah. fair, uh, the, if you're well, really you paying see, attention to the themes of his of inside, his stuff. Inside uh, you, there are two Miyazakis. You know, <laughs> there's like the hopeful environmentalist uh, socialist, and then there's the like nihilist. Uh, uh, Humanity should die. Yeah, like we 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 messed up. Sorry, was, we, we had our up. chance. Well, those are the two gonna... Miyazakis in you. Because <laughs> I was going to say, like, you know, this is obviously a podcast about kaiju, and like yeah. that 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 tradition starts with Godzilla, oh, which yeah. is very yeah. obviously like a reaction to the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, like yeah. the mm-hmm. first use. And similarly, this has ties to uh, Minamata disease, which is a uh-huh. specific form of mercury poisoning that happened that he was aware of um in minamata bay in japan yeah and yeah you were you can, talking about that the, the the moment you read about this it kind of makes sense like it was a, a thing where they were dumping runoff into a into a bay the stuff in there was evolving to handle a bunch of mercury in its system but the people around it not so much so and it's kind of like okay yep. i can see your very like yeah. straight line of like there is a yeah an environmental issue i'm gonna fantasize this and make it like very fun. Yeah. I will say the yeah. biggest thing. I want to ride that glider. I want to ride, ride that glider so bad. <laughs> oh so my fun. gosh! It does look kind of funny because the way she has to suspend herself when she's really going. Because like you can fly standing up like a chariot, but then like when you want to go fast, when she's going hard, she's, she's kind of like, like she's like you lean forward to your life. She, <laughs> she she has biceps of steel. Yes, like her, her the. the 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 fact that she's always wearing like long sleeve shirts is just to like baffle the fact that she has like the most ripped arms on earth. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> which is very in key for Miyazaki uh, lady leading ladies. You know they are yes they're yeah. they're very strong. We and I love this is the the Miyazaki hair lift. We get a scene with that. All of all of yeah. Miyazaki's yep. like all of the ne- honestly the next three Miyazaki films their DNA is here. Yes. Yeah, uh, and I, I guess I'll get more into that in final thoughts. So, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll save that. But yeah, I, I didn't know about that mercury poisoning uh, story because that's like, yeah, yeah. I read about that when I started doing research after I'd watched the movie. And I thought that was really fascinating. I thought yeah. that was really interesting that it kind of ties. It's very, I mean, it's very, honestly, it's weird to say it's very Japanese. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like Japanese cinema in general likes to pull like that kind of stuff 
a lot for yeah. a lot of their stuff. Just like weird, just like one things that you've never read about here. And uh, in the U.S., like I guess we kind of do it, but not really the same way. In the U.S., we we just make a movie about said event. <laughs> Whereas in Japan, they like to pull the theme let's of just like, do the environmental. Yeah. Let's do a metaphor and use that to inspire the story so, we're doing. So I think I think we do see a bit of this sort of stuff in Western media as well, but it does tend to kind of find its home in the in genre film. Mm. Yeah. Versus like like no no one's really good at making like a like a set in a real world way to talk about like a an issue that's affecting the real world. Um right. without yeah. just talking about it. And without directly uh, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. You know, so I, th- I I think I think you see some of this with like uh genre film in America, but yeah, it's definitely like a very mm-hmm. It's a very straight line between like Godzilla as reaction to the atomic bombs, this as reaction to the Minamata mm-hmm. Bay disaster. Yeah, like it, you can see a very, very sort of coherent methodology. Yes, but... yeah, it's interesting for sure. Um, all right, so let's do characters. Um, Onward. so fun the part of the fun part for characters for this movie is the uh the banging an american dub cast which is god, out of this so world good. it's <laughs> insane so good. insanely good th- th- those disney dollars go somewhere and yeah. in the case of like the ghibli <laughs> films and miyazaki's work it's hiring just insanely stacked yeah cast. yeah yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll go. I'll go. I'll announce the character, and you guys can kind of yeah. kind of chat about it. And uh, I'll announce the voice actor for America as well. Yeah. Um, so of course, let's start with our main character, Nausicaa, uh, played by Allison Lo- uh, Loman, uh, who has plenty of credits to her name, um, uh, live action as well as voice acting. Uh, one of her most famous. Uh, Live action roles uh, is actually from a horror movie, uh, which is Drag Me to Hell. She was the main character in Drag Me to Hell, uh, which I absolutely love that movie to death. So <laughs> it, it, it was definitely a funny one to see. Um, yes, yes, it's it's not great, but I, I love I just love how it plays with some of the tropes. But anyway, uh, so Nausicaa, uh, tell 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 us about Nausicaa. Oh, so I mean, yeah, she as Rob said, she is very much like a prototypical like protagonist for a Miyazaki film he loves this very specific like sort of like kind outgoing character who like at their at their root is a good undeniably good person who wants good for the world around them um I did actually find out that her name is uh Greek in origin I think it is yeah so Nausicaa is a Greek mythological figure and I looked at the story and it's not got a ton of ties here but the name Nausicaa does is Greek for a uh, burner of ships, which, Yo, you know, that's yeah. very good. That's also extremely her. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't so know I think, that I think at that's, all. I think that's likely probably where he pulled the name from. Um, I, yeah. I mean, she's not, uh, I don't, I don't want to deride this film cause it's one of my favorite Miyazaki's, but like, this is definitely <laughs> some of the more shallow end of like characterization as far as he, his movies go it's Mm -hmm. this is very much like you can see that this is one of the early ones even if you don't have a timeline in front of you yeah Um, yeah but yeah i i I like her portrayal in this yeah i think she's uh she yeah like it is the archetype i mean you can see if you watch this you watch monoke you watch castle in the sky it's like oh castle in the sky there's a the, the character arc for our main girl is like feels like more like 
in, in the others, uh, the other two, honestly, it feels like, you know, they're kind of like the two halves of Nausicaa in this film, but like, you know, given like their own ecosystem to live in. Nausicaa starts as like a very curious, very heartfelt, uh, very soft-spoken individual. And even when she, like, she has like her moment of like violence where it's like, oh, she's extremely capable. Uh, it turns out doing like constant like bicep curls to like hold on to a glider translates to being very good at swords. But then she doesn't like very quickly after that, like she does the pacifist arc perfectly and in a way that mm-hmm. feels believable and understandable with its own repercussions like yeah their kingdom gets sacked because she didn't want her people to die like she gets kidnapped because she didn't want her people to die bad things happen because of like her pacifism but she keeps to that that stoic belief in nonviolence all the way up to and you know proceeding and following her death and then rebirth her her drive towards pacifism is what saves the world and it's a very very interesting i mean unfortunately not very realistic but very very like poignant narrative that it feels like this is what miyazaki wanted to say like the the story the methodology the approach is all there and he's like this is important you know war is always bad I've heard people who have made sort of stuff inspired by this describe like sort of the genre of stuff that follows in the wake of this that takes heavy inspiration from Nasca is like hope punk kind of storytelling. <laughs> yeah, okay, and I see that. I, I, I get the term. I, I might not care for it, but I get what they're getting at with that because this is very hopeful. It is, you know, yeah. this young girl who is so committed to this idea that we can be better than we are. Yeah, and I think that 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 really characterizes the first chunk of the, I guess I guess except for Lupin the Third and the Castle of Cagliostro, like the first sort of <laughs> chunk of Miyazaki's career is very much invested in this idea of like we can be better. We're we're meant to be good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. All I right. So moving on. Um. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I agree too. But we gotta keep going. So we gotta roll through the cast. Yeah. Uh, so we got Lord Yupa, voiced by Patrick Stewart, of course. Patrick Stewart. Uh, um, instantly recognizable as Patrick Stewart, yes. but he is still turning his A game uh, yeah. for this role. Oh, yeah. He's not. He's not phoning it in. Uh, he's fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, who's Lord Yupa, everybody? Uh, Lord Yupa is uh, our the master swordsman. He's well known throughout the entire world because every character that meets him, even from other kingdoms, they immediately are like, oh. It Fuck, it's that guy. Like, they immediately know (laughs) who they're messing with to the point where, like, he calms down battles just by being present. It's like, I'm that good. Mm -hmm. I'm that famous. I've traveled across the world. I've seen kingdoms rise and fall, and I've outlived all of them. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's an older gentleman, uh, you know, big, white, scruffy beard, although he still has color in his hair. So I thought he looks much older when he has, like, his, you know, his, like, big Mm -hmm. floppy hat on. So I don't know exactly how old he is, but he's definitely like, you know, he's pushing his like 50s at least, you know, yeah. uh, and he he really doesn't get in Nausicaa's way. It's very interesting. Usually you have someone who kind of like a mentor character that's wrong or you have someone that kind of like is like the the opposite to or someone who l- grows mm. because of Nausicaa's influence. Sure. Instead, yeah. he's just kind of like, do your own thing, girl go get it queen slay and then like he steps back he is there when he ne- when she needs him and like she's there when he ne- you know like they they help each other multiple times throughout the movie and it's a really really interesting dynamic 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think the other interesting thing is like we have him sort of as the midpoint because we have other characters that are very sort of like yeah. war motivated, and we have mm-hmm. Nasca as this sort of representation of extreme pacifism. Yeah, but we have him as sort of this moderate position of I I have trained my entire life as a swordsman, mm-hmm. but there is a time and place for that. Like yeah, it. and yeah, we 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 see honestly most of his screen time is him just talking like, yeah everyone yes. knows him as a swordsman but we only really see like there's the one moment after Nasca's dad dies where he where he holds one of the tamikian guards at, at sword point and stops Nasca. yeah mm-hmm. and then there's the one fight scene on the uh on the carrier yeah and that's it. Those are the only times we see him violent. We we get a lot more time of him talking. So <laughs> he's, I kind of like him as the midpoint there. Yeah, he's kind of that trope of just the swordsman that has trained his entire life to the point where he believes pacifism is the only way because he's probably killed a lot of people. He's yeah. The best at what he does. So anyone he wants to kill, he could, but he doesn't want to do that yeah. like anymore. It feels like he's kind of learned from his life that you should be the way that Nausicaa is trying to be, right? Like, yeah. And I mean, he's he's also, he is said in the movie to have been her, her teacher when she was growing up. So yeah. um, you kind of just really get that feeling of, yeah, like once again, that old wizened warrior that's just been through so much that, yeah. you know, yeah. would rather talk a problem out than be the swordsman because if he does unsheath those swords, <laughs> he's going to win. There's going to be dead bodies. Yeah. Like... <laughs> He's also the character we see in the first sort of intro area, uh, intro segment. Mm-hmm. And frankly, that intro alone is like a really strong, like five minutes of yeah. storytelling with very few words. Like yeah. if, you, yes. if you, if you start after the opening narration and take it through to the point where he exits the forest. Yeah. Yep. That's a really, really wonderful, like just yep. short story. And absolutely. I, yep. I, I dig that. I really yeah. like that. Honestly, it, it also felt like, to me, it felt the most Miyazaki, even more than some of the later parts of the movie. Like, I just the, just the way that it's it's shot and the way that the storytelling is happening felt very like yeah late era late era Miyazaki is what I'd say, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um. Uh. To me. Um. No, I I fully right. agree. Moving on, uh, to the villainess of the movie Kushana, who is voiced by Uma Thurman, uh, who needs no introduction as well. Um. Who is Kushana? Uh, what is she? Kushana is, um, so, you know, her backstory is a little bit hazy. We do know that she met Bill, um, you know, probably around her 20s, and he did train her to be, like, a super good assassin. Um, and they eventually started to fall in love and start a relationship. Uh, but when she found out that she was pregnant, she had to she had to get out of there. Um, oh and so she God. just married like a loser, you know, just some guy, country bumpkin out in the middle of nowhere, Texas. But, um, Bill, <laughs> super, wait, who, uh, Uma Thurman or, uh, Kushana? Sorry. Oh, Kushana. I, was I was, I was like, how long is he going to go on with this bit? <laughs> how, how, how much does he remember of Kill Bill? Uh, uh, Kushana is, uh, this, like, we first see her wearing this big, she's wearing more armor more regularly than most of her men. Uh, she's wearing like these big golden like you know greaves and this big golden like leg armor, and she's got big shoulder pauldrons, big mask, you know, helmet on. Uh, and we find out later that like she's missing a lot of her body to a war, yeah, she, which 
She's she's at least a single, if not triple, amputee. Yeah. This, yeah. Oh, this sounds kind of familiar to uh, later characters that happen in Miyazaki stuff. Mm. Well, it seems like he might want to revisit this concept in a more detailed way later down the line. I don't know. This this is just Lady Eboshi from what? Princess Mononoke, but Absolutely. with a different Alien visual percent. aesthetic. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> she's. She is uh, tough. She has been betrayed. She is embittered. She doesn't like any of the leadership that she uh, – they do refer to her as a highness, so she's some kind of royalty, but she very clearly does not like the people from mm-hmm. her kingdom. She's like, they're fools. I want to take over this small kingdom and make it my home, and we're going to make the giant warrior. It's like she has ambition to be the next ruler. Very mm-hmm. Lady Yoboshi. Yeah. It's, it's a, you know, there's a very strong connection between those two characters. Um, she is, uh, uh, you know, very like, she's not cunning. She's just diabolical. <laughs> like She's just like mean and consistent about like, it's, I, like, I'll just keep moving forward. I don't mm-hmm. care. I am unfazed by literally everything until very, the very, very end after seeing, uh, Nazca get Jesus and come back to life. She's like, all right, you know what? At this point. I don't even want to, I don't even want to do a war with you because like this is not well, worth also, it. Also she lost her she lost her uh ace in the hole. Yeah, that's true. During the whole battle, she lost her giant warrior so yeah. um I I, I I like her. I, yeah. I there's a reason there's a good reason that Miyazaki just kind of cut this character just whole reuses it. And, yeah. And put it in Mononoke. She's a good villain. Yeah. Yeah. She's I, I really like Uma Thurman's performance for mm-hmm. her and yeah. the the reveal of like some of those greaves are just like uh like prosthetics, prosthetics yeah is is very well done it is weird that they're hollow like, yeah I, that's I was... that's weird yeah i was weirded out by that uh i did i also laughed out loud because it's really funny how she's tied up like she she's, could have escaped at any time because her arm she's like, she just pulls it out and just puts it back and then they still <laughs> make her go like aha now i'll use my clever heel knife to cut my way out it's like just unhook your hand and like <laughs> Why are you even doing all this? <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah, that, that made me laugh a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's a great heel for for Nausicaa in in this yeah. film, and yeah, I, I I like this one a lot. This is a good one. Yeah, yeah. I think the unfortunate thing. Uh, this is getting a little final thoughtsy, but the one thing I didn't like about this movie to a certain extent is how distracted it gets of its own plot at times. <laughs> um, Fair. And we're, you know, we're gonna get to Mark Hamill's uh, villain later on. Um, but I, I feel like he kind of distracts from her a little bit and like, yeah, I liked her as the sole villain. Like her motivations were really clear and like really understandable and like I was with it. And then like, they kind of introduce his character and it's like, wait, what? I think, I think he wants the same thing, but not, but yeah. yes. I, uh. <laughs> well, I, I think, think it's. I think part- Oh. Part of that is the fact that like this film went into production after two issues, two the yes. first two books of the manga had come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And basically, uh she she is just an arc villain. Like mm-hmm. and you wind up in sort of this weird place of this is a two hour long movie. <laughs> it's a full full like, yeah. I think it's like an hour fifty-eight or something. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot of runtime, but <laughs> it's kind of in a weird place where she, where Miyazaki didn't know where the story was gonna wind up. Right. Yeah. And right. My understanding, I didn't sit down and read all eight issues of this because that's a that's a lot of time. Um, <laughs> but I get the distinct impression that like 
she is there there were multiple villains or antagonists at least in the in the comic yeah yeah don't get yeah. to see so that might be some of what we're feeling here but yeah there is yeah. definitely a weird dueling villains who are yeah similarly motivated almost the same motivation yeah that's yeah. the only thing that I, I that threw me off with her with not her but with mark hamill's villain yeah. more specifically which we'll get to in a second um yeah and but, i do uh, i understand why her and Mark Hamill's villains are basically the same. And like, there are so many villains and yeah, it makes sense. It's an arc villain, but I think what the movie's trying to say is like all ambition leads to the same place. All war leads to the same place. It doesn't matter what side of the army you're on. Your, your warlike ambitions will ultimately lead to the same problem. I get, I get the theming of it, but (laughs) it does mean you have two characters that are essentially interchangeable. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Uh, okay, so next character we'll just go really quickly through because he doesn't really have a lot in the movie. Um, sure. Is uh, I just really want to mention him because of his voice actor, honestly. Uh, <laughs> is Kurat- Kuratoa, her second in command. Yeah. Um, so he's voiced, or he's voiced by Chris Sarandon. Now, if you don't know who Chris Sarandon is, uh, one of his more famous voice roles, which you can hear if you've been t- ear-tuned into this role for a long time, <laughs> uh, he is the talking voice of Jack Skellington across Nightmare Before Christmas, Kingdom Hearts, <laughs> Anything oh, that Jack Skeleton has wow. ever shown up as. So there was a couple of points. I didn't know it until uh, until he spoke. And then one point I was like, is that Jack Skellington? Because I'm, I'm playing Kingdom Hearts because I just wanted to play an RPG series. So I'm playing all the way through. Nice. So I just heard him in Kingdom Hearts 2. And I was like, that's no. And uh, so I looked him up and there you go. <laughs> Incredible. Um, he, he, he does have one of like the, the recurring Miyazaki faces of like guy who's up to no good and all his facial features are just really wide, <laughs> which I always I always like. And, yeah, and it's kind of the role he plays. He's kind of, you yeah. know, the second in command. He's, he's yeah. overseeing the giant warrior. He's, you know, <laughs> the, this, this little gremlin guy who's doing the I, evil bidding. I also appreciated like his like he wasn't like a replacement villain for her when she disappeared. Like I like whenever I love that moment with him. He's like, is this the time where I do get to have ambition? You know, he's <laughs> like, Oh wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what I did like, there's this one little line from him in two scenes where he, where he's looking at the, the monster and he's like, Oh, huh. you're, 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 you're beautiful. You're making me ambitious again. Yeah. This giant, horrible monster. Or later abomination yeah a horror beyond the scope of it like a living atomic bomb and he's like wow yeah. <laughs> you know you're pretty hot uh, you're pretty sexy <laughs> and then later when um uh when kushana comes back and she's like oh, you know like yeah we're gonna take him we're gonna you know we'll give an hour break whatever as soon as she starts to kind of like lead and like you know get ready for battle he's like wow you're certainly getting attractive wow she's like yeah. there's this very very weird admiration of power in this character <laughs> That I feel like maybe would have tra- maybe it translates differently in Japanese, but it's a maybe, very very yeah. interesting character, you know. In, in the in the dub, he was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun oh, with yeah. this character. <laughs> he, he just kind of fills that role of like weird little guy. And weird like, little guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but they could have he could have been that little like overly ambitious second in command that was like ready to take control. Yeah. But that's not how they did it, and I I appreciated that he was kind of like Absolutely. a little bit more subtle with it. Like oh, I guess I'm in command now. I guess I'll have ambition. Yeah. Like I I don't know. That just really was was a lot of fun for me uh next up is asbel voiced by shia labeouf uh <laughs> he's the dub. prince boy he's like a, a like a very weak eventually this becomes the the love interest boy 
that shows up in all the Miyazaki films. Does he? <laughs> oh, oh, in the <laughs> no, other. sorry, not, not in, in the movie. DNA. Okay, no, yeah. not in this. He's just yeah. a guy. But I mean, later in other Miyazaki films, he, you know, there's the there's the boy, there's the girl who's the main mm-hmm. character. Even if it's from the boy's perspective, there's the girl that's the main character, and then there's the boy. Yes. And the boy does yeah. like I can lift heavy things, or I can like you know like I solve one or two problems to get you to the final boss where you do a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he doesn't really have that. He's like he's very un, un- he's incomplete, pretty forgettable. Yeah, yeah, but he also has the highest body count in the entire movie. He sure does. Wow, he kills a lot of people. He takes three of the big planes out. Yeah, which three of them? <laughs> insane. In one little gunship, he's just whipping and dipping, and he literally the only reason he gets taken out, and the only reason that like later I did like this. Uh, the anyone from Pegite, when they see Nausicaa, they see Lestelle. They yes. see the dead prince, uh, princess, and they immediately freeze up because it's like, well, oh, wow, she looks so much like my princess that I know is dead. And it's mm-hmm. multiple times they utilize that, like, you know, I've taken yeah. the, like, role of this person who has hoped for, to destroy the, like, god monster or the, the you know, giant warrior, giant, uh, yeah. And like use that vision visage for myself. Yep. It was very nice. I liked it. Unfocused, but nice. <laughs> um, next up, uh, just to talk about voice actor very briefly, uh, we have Mito, uh, who is played by Edward James Olmos. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, man, he turns in a great performance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's it's William Adama, of course. So you know, you can't. You can't go wrong with William Madama. <laughs> uh, no, he's fantastic. I re- I was really like he. So he plays the. He's he's with Nausicaa for most of the movie. Yeah, um, he's kind of like the her... eye patch guy. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He's like he's like the tech support guy. <laughs> he's well, I mean, he's the he's like he's the engine. He's an engineer. He's yeah. he's, he's, he's one of the stuff. three. He, yeah. uh, one of the four action grandpas, but he's the youngest of the action grandpas. There are the, just a lot of old dudes in this movie. Dudes. <laughs> I thought it was like a narrative point. Well, like, oh, there's just like they can't have babies or something. I, and then like I think well it kind well, of is though. Because well, who, the, who goes to war? It's mostly young men. Oh. Right. Well, and they also bring well, because remember when he shows up at the beginning of the movie, they make a huge deal that there was there's a, baby a baby born in the yeah. valley. So I think there might True. be something to that. Um so the older people are the guy are the people that you know, have lived longest, but yeah. there's not many of them. Yeah. There's only a few. There's only like the four uh, with Obaba counted. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anyway, but he's, like I said, he's just, I, I, uh, Edward James almost does a great voice for the whole role. Like yeah. he's actually like, he's being a character. It's a, it's a whole character. Like he's not just like, once again, he's not just phoning in and he's ra- He's, he like made a character for this guy. I love him. Yeah. Um, then uh, uh, we can't go to get away with this without talking about Mark Hamill very briefly <laughs> as the the mayor of Pageite. He does not even have a name. Uh, it's it's Mark Hamill being a villain. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's Mark Hamill being a villain who doesn't do a funny laugh. So that's like the only true. thing different. Yes, it's not that's exactly true. the Joker. But... <laughs> not yet. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh yeah. But, uh... I, I... He serves his role again. Like he is kind yeah. of a weird, like retread of another. Yeah, villain. we, we already kind of talked about it, yeah. but it's he's the same. Uh, he wants to use the God Warrior for himself. Yeah, kind of thing. Uh, it's yeah. yeah. War, war leader who has ill intent. Yes, and does yes. not understand. Yes. The- <laughs> 
doesn't understand yes. the scope of what he's he's trying to tackle. Yeah. Yes. And also because of like his madness of what happened, he does not care about uh, uh, collateral damage. Yeah. At all yeah. At this point, uh, he he destroyed his own city to get rid of the yeah invaders. So That's... yeah, <laughs> you know, don't Gosh. really go into that that much this movie, but uh, it yeah, is there. we we just uh... kind of gloss over that and like apparently like uh asbel knew about it like because he's like oh you know like this is the they price we paid yeah you know like oh it's he, just he it literally wasn't says, the oh they went through with it yeah. yeah when he's sitting on the on the side of the wall he's yeah. like can't believe they went through with it this yeah. is the price that we pay when, yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's and old. like that i mean the fact that the idea was even floated what if what if we just nuked our hometown <laughs> like, right and that there was even what if anyone we just on board drop a nuke on it mm. <laughs> oh no there's an invading force well if we can't have it <laughs> literally exactly yeah yeah um which is which is horrible for humanity being where it is in yeah. this movie because like there's probably only like 10 <laughs> villages like across this entire yeah. continent that exist and you just nuked one because yeah. of war so yeah. oops <laughs> Uh, oopsies. Um, and then the last person I have to mention, because this one threw me for a loop, uh, is Obaba specifically. Hmm. Um, she's voiced by, uh, uh, Tr- uh Tress McNeil. Hmm. Um, and, uh, Tress McNeil, uh, uh, of course, famously, uh, the voice of Dot Warner in the Animaniacs. <laughs> uh, but the voice that you might recognize her as with Obaba is she is mom in Futurama. Oh my um, gosh, you're at ab- yes. Oh. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, yeah. I do think it's it is kind of weird to realize because because this film for so long didn't have like a proper western release. Yeah. This dub was done in like I think 20 like 2010s, <laughs> I think 2016 or something. Like it it, it was a late dub. Yeah. yeah. I remember correctly. Like so it it is weird to like <laughs> look at this and be like oh yeah like the, the these are all people who i know for modern things because they're <laughs> acting still yeah it's 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 it was just funny she was one of those ones that i didn't i didn't know who it was but then i looked it up and i was like oh, oh. <laughs> she is also another one of those like characters where like that is a that is a miyazaki ghibli face yeah hundred percent she opens her eyes and her eyes are facing the different directions he yeah, loves it's... he loves little old ladies Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it, it is. It is really funny to see how many of those kind of like faces and like character <laughs> designs that you see really idiosyncratically <laughs> yeah, returning to. As, yeah. as we keep talking about, like the genesis of the, yeah. the stuff we see later with Miyazaki. It's, yeah, it's here. It's all here. Yeah, yeah. Uh. It's, and that's kind of really crazy. Like it does. You don't always see that with filmmakers. No, you know, like, no. You know, yeah. like that first one has something in it so purely like represented, <laughs> just carried through for like. Because at this point he's been doing this for like 40, 50 years. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um so uh that's all the main characters. So let's move yeah. to the titular kaiju, the ty- uh, the monsters of this movie. Yeah. Um so I think we should go chronological. We need Ooh, to talk about so the god warriors first. Yeah. Uh so um, they, they have two different names. In the movie, they're referred to as giant warriors, but then uh a little while <laughs> the movie ago, we haven't covered yet. In a movie we <laughs> have not talked about. Film. Uh, that I think Anno also put together, right? Yes. So, yeah. okay. So here's a little history with this. Okay. So um, Miyazaki has been asked several times if he was going to do a sequel to this movie 
uh, to either follow the rest of the manga or just in general do a sequel. Yeah. Um, and he has said that he wants to. Um, and then at one point, <clears throat> Anno asked if he could do it. <laughs> and Miyazaki gave him his blessing. But nothing's come from it from that. And the the thing is, is the timing that the Miyazaki conversation was happening was during Anno's really bad yeah. depression era. So I'm guessing that's why nothing ever came from it is because I don't think he's been in the right place to do this. And now he's so busy with Shin stuff. I don't think he's going to. But I was going to say the the other connection there is Anno worked on this film. Yes. Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah. So uh, but but what what we did get (laughs) is we got a little short film from Anno. Uh, that's using uh, uh, puppets. Uh, um, it's a live action like puppets, yeah. uh, and it is the opening of this film. Essentially, the the thing that happened uh, in the past, yeah. which is the giant god warriors showing up in Tokyo, yes, and completely destroying everything with their Shin Godzilla lasers all over the place, yeah. Uh, and we're going to cover that. Uh, Rob and I have talked about this. It's, it's it's a short film. We're going to cover it on an episode where we cover a couple of short films. Yeah. Um, but the thing that the, that actually gives us is a good look at the design, which is canon because the warrior that we see kind of melting actually yeah. shares like almost all of the design features as the puppet. Yeah. So we can use the puppet to really get a good look at what it looks like. Yeah, um, the puppet, the puppet does cool. also kind of look like an Ava as well. Yes, like <laughs> they're yeah, definitely that's... more formless and Miyazaki in this. Like they have kind of like to a amorphous fair... skin over them. Sorry, no, I was just I was going to agree because th- there's actually been some funny like uh, people trying to like fan create a universe where it's actually the same universe. Oh yeah, and that uh nausicaa takes place post third imp- or fourth impact whatever the one is mm. that kills everybody <laughs> um and so God, giant god warrior is the first impact oh. and then ava happens and then nausicaa happens thousands of years in the future yeah a thousand years in the future well, but anyway that's that, that's a fan yeah thing. but there is it's one. just because the avas look like or the yeah the, yeah the giant god warriors i'll like say the it's got the, the big like shoulder blade yeah things yeah i'll say that they're all probably canon because we do see that there are different variants of the god warriors because she climbs out of one at the beginning that has these giant horns on top of its head and then in the flashbacks are all these ambiguous kind of like blobby humanoid figures but Mm -hmm. the uh the one that we see in the final fight there's clearly a, a like a metal frame underneath this kind of bubbly viscous body and if you look at that metal frame and then you look at the god warrior it's got the little yeah, little, little above, like above it, above its above its laser w- so it has teeth. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's a very humanoid body. Yeah. Um, very uh, like the flesh is like very like like almost charred mm. and like burned is like what I would say the texture yeah. is. Um, it's got uh, it's got this interesting design on its chest that kind of looks like an eyeball, like in the center of its uh, center of its body. Yeah. Uh, it's got as we talked about, it's got these big spike horns coming out of its shoulders mm-hmm. uh, uh, and around the base of its neck as well. Uh, and then for its head, uh, it's got big old green eyes. Um, and then it's got this row of only an upper row of teeth and they can move and they move back and like, like wiggle around. Yeah, they're real weird. Ooh, I hate and them. then when it, and then when it, oh, when it's firing, it's Shin Godzilla laser, all the teeth move up and then the laser starts charging and it fires a big, yeah. 
purple beam that like explodes anything that it hits. <laughs> um, it's very very powerful. Um, and uh, once especially in the giant uh, giant god warrior short, yeah. you really get to see how destructive it yeah. is. Uh, here you get to see you do get to see how destructive it is because you see it get used against the ohm in the in the final sequence. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, if this thing basically if this thing had become fully awoke, awakened and it had hooked for long enough. Yeah, this would not have been good for the world. <laughs> no. Being back alive, it would have been well, another... Well, it's, it's a thing that everyone would have died. infinite nukes. As long as it's alive, yes. <laughs> it can just, like, breathe a, a destructive level of power that is... I mean, it's the, the shot where it fires its breath in the mm-hmm. end of the movie is extremely well done. It is just mm-hmm. as shocking as it is in GMK... But I wasn't surrounded by a bunch of people clapping for every scene leading up to it. So I was way more impacted by that moment of just like music and audio cuts out as there's just the rumble of a of the explosion. And that's mm-hmm. when you know, if you didn't already know that like, oh, man, she messed up by awakening this horrible monster. It's like, yep. OK. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yeah, and then the one that we do see at the end of the movie, as we kind of talked about, it, it, it uh, as I joked about, it's the Bio Broly version of <laughs> yes. this monster. So it's 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 undercooked. So it's kind of it's it's like flesh is not on so its bones. Goopy. Yeah, it's so goopy, bubbling it's off just, of it. Yeah, it's like melting and like it's it's a really cool effect because they also talk about how when the when the giant warriors uh died originally they turned to stone like the, yes. their remains are stone yeah um and you can kind of see that it's kind of turning into sand well like it's with the goop. it's because the, it's like muscle. fleshy when it's yeah. on it well it's fleshy when it's on it but then when it drips off into the sand, sand you can yeah. see it turning into grains like it's not yeah. it's not staying goop like it's not just a goop thing it's like minerals yeah. it's like it's weird it's it's a very interesting visual yeah. uh for sure um and then uh yeah it's it fully melts and becomes uh, another a giant skeleton yeah skeleton that's in the desert um, I, I will say i'm just a sucker for any setting that wants to like have like the bones of some megafauna whether it's like <laughs> absolutely completely biological or not it, it's oh absolutely so good yeah it's at, always at the, be- the yeah. first time we see it at the beginning of the film where we see the the giant head that like, yeah the forest is coming off of oh it's beautiful love it <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and we we do see some of that retread in castle in the sky like mm-hmm. the, the overgrown robots like yeah 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 <laughs> um so that's the first big big monster we see and yeah. then of course we get to the forest where all the yes. bugs are um so first of all giant rule uh, if there's a bug, there's a big version of it. Yes. Uh, we basically see, we're not going to talk about a lot of the little ones because no. you, know, you see some in the distance. You see some just like random. There's really insects. three that are like yeah. up on the screen. There's there's the ohm, the giant dragonflies, and the giant centipede thing. Yeah. Uh, I guess numerically um, it starts with ohm and then goes mm-hmm. to dragonfly and then goes to, yeah. <laughs> so the ohm are... Big old like caterpillars, basically. Yeah. Um, they've got um, a bunch of giant eyes on the front. When they're calm, they're blue, and when they're angry, they're red. <laughs> Very <laughs> simple. Um, and then uh, we do see that they just uh, they like shed their entire uh, carapace to grow bigger. Yeah. Uh, essentially, um, we see we see the carapace of one a dead you know dead carcass of one early. Or not carcass, but the shedding of it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the really big thing to note about them is there are two, two things that they have at the front of their body. Yeah. So uh, they have little gross insect 
mandible fingers that like help move them along the ground. Uh, they're very gross, very uh, stabby, uh, sharp, <laughs> mandible also, things. Yeah, very like very Mothra, very Mothra, but with extra. It's very, eyes. Yeah, it it is kind of a Mothra esque yeah. uh, looking thing for sure. Um, and then um, when they are uh, sensing things, when they are actually being calm. Uh, and they are using their sensories, uh, sensory organs. We see they have these golden, uh, like ten- tentacle, like tendrils that come out of their mouths. Yeah. Um, that they can use to sense things. Also, it seems that they also have some sort of uh, ability power? to psychic, psychically, like investigate what they're looking at. Because it feels like it's actually like when we see the first one interact with Nausicaa. It like looks into her memories as well as, like, I don't know. It it it, it can tell its intentions. Basically, they're given a very uh, otherworldly kind of smart quality by showing the showing it the way that they do. Yeah. Um. These things aren't just mindless killing machines. They are when they get mad. Yes. But they're not traditionally when they're normal and they're they're blue. They're they're actually like curious about their environment. They're very smart. They're, you know, they're not just mindless, which is really interesting. I thought, I thought, I thought that was going to be really, you know, kind of a one note, like, oh, it's a giant bug, but it's actually interesting. They have <laughs> something behind that. Yeah. Um, it is also really cool to just see like that, that scene where Nasca like extracts one of the, uh, the eye casings yeah, and like is bringing it back. So like people have clearly <clears throat> like they're, they're armored and people have clearly learned to use <clears throat> Parts of their moltings for yes, moltings. That's the word I was looking yeah. for. Yeah, Thank you. <laughs> got, like I'm not sure what they're using them for. We never really get no. the answer, no. but it's assumed they're basically probably just being used yeah. as a metal or stone stand-in. Yeah, um, yeah. The uh, the only thing I would say with the with the yeah, like I mean, it's surprising. Like a military, uh, like the Telmetians, I'm surprised they don't have like yeah. Uh, well, they have like, zirconium some... armor. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I would have liked to have seen more bug stuff. You know, I wish I wish like there was some kind of like, you know, chitinous ver- like variant of like how their armor, armor looks or how their guns yeah. look. I wish they looked organic, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's for all. Sure. But that's I mean, that's um, a minor little thing. I minor, think yeah, minor, added, minor, minor, minor. You know? Um, and then the only other thing really to note about the the ohms is that uh one, there are a lot of them. Two, they are the source of the forest. Uh, when the original Ohm died, uh, their carcasses is what birthed the giant poisonous <laughs> forest. Um, and then also, the last thing is they do have magical bug healing powers that we see at the end of the movie. Yes. Uh, which I will talk about Hurt. later. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. Yeah. What's the, what's the next giant one? Giant dragonfly. Uh, which is the giant, it's more like a fly. It's just like, if you took a fly, yeah, Mm -hmm. if you took a fly, is is this a translation issue or like, (laughs) I don't know. She was calling a giant dragonfly and I was like, oh, maybe it's a different one. And then one of them flies down close. It's literally like a toxic Avenger version of a fly. Like it's just a fly with a big gross body with like these little bobbly, like uvula kind of like dangling out of the top of its head. Yeah. Four big, gross, floppy wings, and then like a, like a horrible like maw of like soft, fleshy like appendages mm-hmm. that kind of look like teeth, uh, and they're just gross. They're awful to look at. They're so lumpy yeah. and like malformed. 
I think I think the only reason why they call it a dragonfly is because of the shape, because it technically has the long body with well, the, the wings. Yeah. yeah, you know, I get. I think that's. I mean, but you're right. It visually, it's more of a fly. I guess that's better than saying just it's a giant fly. That wouldn't be as as impactful. Yeah. You know, Th- that might also be yeah. part of it. But <laughs> you gotta add some some spice to your. You gotta zhuzh some it up. Spice. Uh, I, I do like that this thing kind of looks like melted wax with like a light in the middle. Yeah. Of it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> It, it looks nasty. It gets it gets you a little yeah. bit concerned about this it's, thing. It doesn't look it's like very, a good yeah. event. Yeah, it's very grody to look at for sure. It's very <laughs> uh, um, centipede. And then the other one is the next one is just terrifying. I uh, loved it. This, oh, it's great, but it's terrifying. Um, it's the water monster from that one level. It's a third. Uh, it's a, a combination of like the flying uh, air kite uh, uh, titan. Nope. Colossus. Colossus. There we go. Uh, and the snake Colossus, uh, the underwater one. Uh, it's this giant plated sectional centipede, right? But then you give its center and like four body two massive sets of wings. And then up at the very, very front of it, you give it giant like dung beetle pincers, these massive red honking chompers. Uh, and and it, then a mouth of teeth. And like a mouth of literal teeth. Literal like. Yes. <laughs> Like tapeworm mouth, tape worm mouth right in the center <laughs> of the maw. Uh, and it's just like off in the distance, you can kind of see it like floating around, like making these little figure eights. And it's like, wow, it's beautiful. And then our characters start to fall to their death towards it. And it's like, I'm going to bite you. <laughs> and it's like this horrible metal clanging noise as it's like, you know, pincers come together and it barely misses them. Snap on them. It's such a cool design. It's I just, it's very cool. I, I The biggest thing that I liked about it was its movement. Yeah. Like the way it like it like. Uh, like it's undulates like a game of snake like, but three-dimensional you know yeah like it's just very cool because like i love how they they dodge past its uh its mandibles and like are going along its back and yeah then the tail flips up and hits them and that's what knocks them in, <laughs> down into the into the depths yeah uh it's it's a very fun it's a very fun creature design i i, I like i liked it um it's also different than the other like the fly is very gross. The ohm is kind of gross as well. Yeah. So I liked that there was this one that like this just looks like a big bug that just evolved to be this giant. Is just a big old like, guy. This is just a big old. It's also got like a slightly different like color scheme from the other two, which helps it stand out a little yeah. bit. We only see it very briefly. I think we see the dragonfly a couple of times throughout, mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah, yeah. This is one where you just kind of get it once, and it's like, oh, I, well, kind of, kind of wish we had more of that, huh? Yeah. Uh, it was very fun, very fun creature for sure. Um, all right, so we're changing things up this this uh, this episode. So next up, we doing cinematography. Yeah, we're doing yeah. cinematography, sound design before favorite, least favorite. So <laughs> just to try um, something out. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, it's fine. No. Uh, so cinematography. Uh, obviously, with this, mostly we're talking about animation. What's it? What's it look like? What's you know? I mean, cinema, this movie is a very cinematically. I mean, all Miyazaki films are. So there's you know, it's set up like. Like a traditional film, there's yeah. shots. There's you can tell there's thought process behind that. So we can talk about that um, for sure. Um, I mean, it's uh, it's Miyazaki, so there's yeah, obviously that level. <laughs> there's that level that it already hits as far as animation. Um, it's it's beautiful. It's uh, uh, it's 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 got a great color palette to it. Yeah, um, you it's... can definitely tell that it is early Miyazaki in that the the like frame rate is slightly lower the uh mm-hmm. the like the the clean lines are not like things are not as like naturalistic or as like like technical as they end up being in later films 
there's a there's a softness to this one that like fades away in later products. Mm-hmm. Um but in that regard, this is it's it's like it's from the 80s, man. It's all hand drawn, it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And he one of the things that's really, really interesting about this that he doesn't do in any other film. Well, that that's not true. But he's done it a few other times, actually. I take it back. But that is very unique about this one is he does different art styles to show different things. So mm-hmm. in dream sequences or whenever she's psychically communicating with the ohm, there's this very sketchy, very rapid, very like, you know, and it's supposed to be a dream sequence. So it's like very like, you know, weird kind of like movements. And like uh, it's very like um, uh, like Renaissance painting like it's it's very like very light, very faded and very like sketchy hand drawn kind of like look. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they use a different animation style. I don't know what the name of this is, but where they have sliding plates of animation for the movement mm-hmm. of the ohm. And I was wrong. They do do this later in Howl's Moving Castle, uh, where he has like the different components are squashing and stretching and moving. But this is literally oh, just like yeah, yeah, yeah. pieces yep. of paper that they're, you know, extending and then contracting and extending again. So it has this really like rigid, weird alien look. Compared to the rest of the, and they don't always do it. Sometimes it's actually just like animated, but sometimes it's slow movements. It's this accordion mm-hmm. of different sheets of paper to add this like extra layer of like, oh, if this were a modern anime, yeah, they would do oh. the home in CGI. Um, oh, a hundred percent. Jesus. Yeah. The, 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 the little, the little front like legs, pincer things like yeah. those, those, I can see what in my mind, what it would look like in a <laughs> yeah. CG with like the, uh, the cell shade over it. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, it, but, it's a pretty movie, I think. Yeah. And, like in a way that some of the other Miyazaki films aren't like, yeah. I like that softness to it. I like yeah. that it's a mm. little bit dreamy. It's a mm. little bit less polished. It's, yes. It's, dreamy. it's interesting. Cause dreamy is a dreamy is a great use of it. I think, I think for me, uh, one of the things that's visually interesting uh, that separates this one from other Miyazaki films is I feel like sometimes Miyazaki films can get too visually busy with their landscapes specifically. And I think (laughs) this one does a great job at being fantastical with its landscapes, but not being like overwhelming with what it's trying to show. Mm. Like the, the shot of the, the, the dead warrior, towards the beginning of the film is a perfect example of that. I feel like yeah. in another Miyazaki film, you would have seen more detail in the forest below it and all sorts of stuff. But in this movie, it's just a flat straight shot of her gliding with the skeleton, with the skeletal warrior in the background. Yeah. And it's just a beautiful shot. Like it's, uh, I always use the term wallpaper, wallpaper worthy. Like I could take yeah. that shot from the film and make a beautiful like wall, wallpaper for my computer. Like the, uh, it's it's amazing, and Miyazaki does do that in other films. I'm not saying this oh, no. one, but I think it, it is visually distinct in this one that it's very much that at all yeah. times. Like it knows when to be busy with its animation and its its art, but at other times it's very simple mm-hmm. simple in a great way. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I'm I'm thinking about like the the shots you see of the exterior, like the bathhouse and Spirited Away. Yes. Where, like, that is so busy. It's so complicated. <laughs> even the interiors and that there's there's stuff moving everywhere. Yeah. yeah. It's not yeah. it's not even just like Mickey Mousing like no, animations. No. It's just <laughs> there's a ton of stuff going on in frame. And here mm. you really do get like just 
you're following a main subject. There are, are occasionally things happening around them, but by and large, you're sort of like, yeah, you have this visual simplicity that for this story, I think is really nice. Yeah. You can just kind of, you can drift, you can drift along like you're on a glider. Yeah. And, hey. along. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I think I, and and there is selling like I am a big time sucker for like animation from this era, including oh, like yeah. uh, what is it? Uh, heavy metal is like another one of my favorites yeah, out of this yeah. era. And there is selling about this like slightly flatter, like definitely twelve frames per second <laughs> yes, animation yes. that like yeah. just warms my heart. And part uh-huh. of that's probably nostalgia, but I think it works well here. I think it's a mm-hmm. very sort of simple and soft aesthetic that i think works for the story yeah 100%. it works yeah. with the kind of and even this the story itself is very dreamlike in it's kind of like you know it has to kind of cut away from a lot of what would probably be pages and pages and pages of lore build up in a manga but here it's like i've got you know five minutes to explain this entire like reason there's a war happening here um I think that uh, the yeah the animation is great and I think the sound design is really good too. Uh, the music is kick ass. The they just really lean into that like eighties Casio. That, it's that rip roaring Casio out of nowhere. <laughs> there's also several times where a sitar just comes in and I'm like, yeah, I know, I know what you're yep. chilling with Miyazaki. I know what you're doing. So I mean the the fact that they kind of have those two sort of modes, one for outside the forest and one for inside yes, the forest, yeah, is, is really nice. Like, and it's noticeable in this case. It's not like oh, we're doing subtle variations on it. Yeah, like, no, 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 we're we're we're, re- we're replacing every <laughs> instrument that you're listening to with a yes. different one. Yes, and yeah, like, and the the very, Casio is really good. Very. <laughs> Very like sing songy orchestral, not sing songy, but like uh, orchestral music when you're in like these kingdoms, these fantasy worlds, and then as soon as you delve into the fungal universe, you know, mm-hmm. like this impossible landscape that's being like you know uh, purified by these bugs and these these fungi, the music gets so trippy and so mm-hmm. like just like experimental, and it's just not what I expect from a Miyazaki movie, but it's mm-hmm. so good, it's so good. Look. He- Here's the thing: If you're gonna have half of your thing look like a uh, sound like a prog rock album, like at least the rest of the visuals go along with the prog rock album part, like it all fits together, nice and even. (laughs) Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Favorite, favorite, least favorite. Uh, Do we let's do let's end on positive. So let's start least least favorite. favorite. Okay, favorite. Um, uh, wants to go first. I was going to say the runtime. It's a okay. <laughs> fair. I, I think, I think that there is a way that you could speed up the pacing of this a little bit. I think hitting I that two hour mark is, it does get a little bit pendulous at times. And with the simpler animation style, it's not like, like most of Miyazaki's films have been in around that two hour mark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with other ones, there's, that additional visual information gives you something to do while there's not a lot happening. And I definitely felt like this and especially towards the last half, it felt a little bit long Mm -hmm. to me. I don't think you need to cut a lot, but like, well, I think I'll tell you, I I can tell you 1 million percent what you can cut right now, right here. Yeah. In this room, in this meeting, I can tell you what to cut to shave off maybe 20 minutes of this movie and make it better paced. I wonder if you're going to say what I'm going to, what I want to say. Cut out uh, uh, Ansel altogether. Cut cut out that boy, mm-hmm. and instead, when yeah. when you know they yeah. get kidnapped, oh my gosh, we got atta- we get attacked by bugs because 
Uh, we were flying too low because we stole too much from the, the valley. So our ship was mm-hmm. heavy. So like we upset some bugs. They attacked us. We crashed. Uh. Mm-hmm. Then in the escape attempt, uh, uh, Nausicaa and her homies fall into the, the thing and sink down into the under kingdom. She learns all the stuff that she's going to learn. Clean water, uh, sand that can grow things. Awesome. This is cool. They get out and start making their way back towards the valley. Wait a minute. What's all those? What are all those ohm doing there? Like, I just mm-hmm. see like it's at nighttime. They're racing back to their kingdom. And they they think like, OK, well, we got away from like, you know, the bad guy. Now we have a, a like a kidnapped like royalty so we can end this war. Wait, why are there those people there? And then it's like, oh, my gosh, Pejite is trying to get revenge. So they you can still find out Pejite are the people that are doing it like they killed our princess, you know, mm-hmm. and then you don't need the tie in. Just cut out yeah. that whole sequence, cut out all the stuff in between that that chunk of the film. If it was a normal Miyazaki movie, it would be here's the intru- introduction of love interest, and he's going to do some fun stuff, and he's going to help uh, save the day at the end of the day. He's completely unimportant. Cut him out. I know Miyazaki wants to have uh, a sweet little like childhood romance. <laughs> Sorry, I can't work for this one. Sorry, bud. Yeah, it's out. So my thought was almost exactly that. Yeah. Except my thought is to cut the pedgites out completely. Yeah. No. Because basically. because the you could literally just have it be that oh, the she or... is luring the ohm to the valley to where the god is oh. to kill the ohm with the god. Yeah. That's her plan. Is she's she found out how to lure the mm. ohm? She's luring them to the valley where the god is because they can't move the god. They specify that. So you yeah. just cut out Pegite as a whole. Cut out <laughs> uh, the the boy. Cut out going to the village. You don't need any of that. Maybe Nostica goat sees the village run over by the Ohm and yeah. learns that that's what they did to the last town. But I, I think I think if you cut out Pedgite, then you you cut out the urgency to get the God Warrior active. Yeah, and then unless so they would have just let it. Well, sit unless longer. the Telmika are coming to the place, you know, like that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah like so the Telmika are in the Bowser clown car leading the Ohm yeah. around. And so they're already on the way to the valley. So, and especially because there's a division of the Telmikas, because she says that she doesn't want to take the God Warrior home. Yeah. So what mm. if that's the other faction of the Telmikas sending? There's the there's home? ways that you could. There's like, ways to write around it. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. I I'm not yeah. coming up with a better way, but I'm just saying. I because yeah. that would cut out 20 minutes. Yeah. That would cut I, out yeah, 20 I, minutes, I, and then I don't, I don't even need think you need to shave 20. It's just like a little bit. <laughs> it just it just yeah. it had that slight sluggishness where yeah. like. I didn't. I wasn't getting enough visually that was like filling in for yeah. long periods of yeah. fairly plot light stuff. Yeah, but it's just yeah. the second. The second kidnapping is where it slowed down for me. Yes, a hundred percent. Well, it's like, like she could have just been like with them and then found out like because their plan is just so comic, like comic book evil. Because they're like, yeah, we'll just kill your village. Sorry, <laughs> we killed our village too. By the way, even even the Telmikans weren't gonna kill her village like they were <laughs> they're like as long as you work for us and are enslaved by us i guess we can let you live uh and then we're gonna make our super warrior weapon and then you can live with us under our iron fist forever and it's like i mean it's uh, not great it's a bad it's idea not, it's not wiping their it's, entire village yeah. out with the old <laughs> the pegite start is such like a like you know like oh no their princess was kidnapped and like she's like a nice gal and she's like you gotta destroy this evil weapon that we found oh wow okay yeah. maybe the pegites are cool no they're just uh, they're another <laughs> another group just, that also wants to do war just another group of assholes <laughs> yeah um i think 
this is so nitpicky. This is so I okay. I like prophecies. I do. I really do. I like prophecies, and I like prophecies being fulfilled. Ooh, um, is yours going to tie into mine, Rob? Yours ties. Uh, <laughs> yes, I I'm building up to yours essentially with mine. Uh, I think that her swapping into a pink dress just so it can get coated in blue blood to turn into so a blue stupid. dress. I feel like, and especially because she's wearing blue the whole rest of the time, and she's standing in golden fields the whole rest of the time, her whole entire life. Uh, I feel like the legend should have been slightly different, or like her character model could have been different, and then she gets coated in the blood. There should have been some kind of like, I don't know, I, like I, it just like, it kind of felt like so I, on the nose, two on the nose, and for no particular reason, because like her journey doesn't revolve around the prophecy at all, you know? I don't know. That's my own nitpick it's a it's a very shallow prophecy that's yeah yeah it's it's describing this one visual scene it's not like describing anything leading up to it it's just like an image yes and once we fulfill all the little bits of the image that have been described prophecy done yeah i have i have a one sentence fix for the prophecy that would have made it more interesting okay uh covered in the blood of the ohm Uh, because there you go. At the point of the beginning of the movie, they think the Ohm are the bad yeah. guys, the villains, the evil Drenched things. Drenched in the blood and, of his enemies. He right. will save the kingdom. And then it's like, oh, no. It's like, she's drenched in the blood because she tried. She saved it. She's tried to save yeah. them. Okay. There, yeah, you, there go. you go. Fixes the prophecy. Yeah. And then, <laughs> like, you know, describe what she sees. Oh, she's covered it. in blue blood from the <laughs> Ohm. And she's standing in a field. And then it's like, oh, it's not killing. It's community. Yeah, yeah that's good. Go. I like that. One sentence fixed it. Yeah. It's just a little tweak and it would have added so much to that, like that build up and that reveal in a way where like you kind of start out and like lead everyone down because that's the thing. We, the audience kind of see that like, she's totally able to like handle the ohm and seemingly pretty easily. Like all you need to do yes. is swing a little like pool noodle around and then f- throw some <laughs> flash bombs. And that makes them like, okay, yeah, I don't care. All I can think of, this is a random reference. Sorry. My brain just went there. Do you remember in the Power Rangers movie, the, the original, like original, original Power Rangers movie with the girl on the planet with the stupid swinging sticks that scares yes. the crow, the crow people away? Yes, 100%. That's all I could think of when she did it at the God. beginning of the movie. I was like, the... <laughs> anyway, uh, so segueing from Rob's thing about the prophecy. Um, I I think the prophecy, yeah, with, a sli- with that slight rewrite, completely fixed. Um, but in the movie, it is a little bit of an issue. Now, this is funny because while I was watching the movie, I hadn't done any research because I'd never seen it before, so I wanted to come fresh in. Um, and so while I was watching the ending, I didn't like the deus ex machina of the Ohm reviving her. Um, I was very kind of turned off by that because I felt like the movie is this perfect le- blend of being bleak but hopeful at the same time. Um, and I really was digging that feeling. I was really digging that like emotion that it was getting from me of like... You know, yes, there is hope that Earth will survive. Maybe humanity will die, but ultimately, like things will work out, kind of a thing. And then, even then, if humans can learn to live with the forest until everything is better, humanity's going to be fine. And Nausicaa was kind of the embodiment of that, like, you know, we should learn to live with things, including people like that are aggressive towards us with pacifism. Anyway, I liked the themings that was going on there is my point. So to take it to her death, (laughs) 
So one, her death was hilarious, and I'm glad Rob described it like Smash Brothers when she gets hit by the ohm. She just yeah. kind of like goes flying off the stage. Um, um, I was like, and I, in my head, I was like, oh, she did. <laughs> like, there's she didn't survive that. No. She's she's dead. To be fair, um, they and... also shoulder check their own baby at that point. So oh yeah, <laughs> they are so blinded by range. Uh, and my problem with her death isn't necessarily. Like, okay, her character didn't have to die, I guess is what I'll start with. I think her character could have lived, and it would have been a great ending. My problem is, is with the, like, going over the top to revive her. Because I think that her death, and even then learning about the prophecy that she is the one prophesized to bring peace, is so effective. It's such a great message. It's really cool. Um, you know, having like the Valley of the Wind kind of take after her teachings in a way to kind of like do what they're doing and all the little after credit little stingers. Uh, if she hadn't been there, if it was just them kind of learning and like even even the the villain kind of feeling the emotion of Nausicaa's sacrifice to kind of not be as warmongering, I think would have been a really effective thing. And I personally just was like, I, it's not that I hated the ending. I just kind of was like, oh, really? We're getting, the bugs are reviving her dead body? Like, okay, that's a little weird. But then uh, it was really funny because then I learned that that was originally the ending is she was going to die. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the ending that they had originally planned and why it was dubbed too bleak was they were literally going to smash to black after she gets hit by the ohm and just like, that's the ending. She gets hit by the ohm and she's dead. Oh, and that's all oh, we learned. See, I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that the at entire, all. <laughs> that's like the op, the, the anti, the antithesis of the entire movie yeah. at that point. That's right. So I think they took a step too far in reviving her, I guess. So I, I, I guess I wonder how much the cut of the film was done. And was it going to be more or less expensive to animate <laughs> getting revived or go back and rework it? Their to, initial, to they were like, whatever, just cut it here. I, f- I can see Miyazaki getting mad at the end of the day and being like, she's just dead. She, whatever. And then he storms out and then comes back a, a, like a th- like the next morning at 3 a.m. is like, I changed my mind. We're going to finish the movie. <laughs> so so I, I, I see where you're coming from, though. Like either her not being fatally wounded and getting to survive Yes. Or her, like, there is something to be said for, like, this exchange of, like, the Ohm providing something to her and yeah. to her people. So true, like, true. Like, this, this exchange. But I do think it is cleaner if she either doesn't die and they, like, nurse her back to health, maybe. Like, if she's right. if she's injured. Yeah. It's the fact that we, we, we literally get her in, like, the Jesus pose at yeah. one point getting <laughs> shot. And then, and it is a really short amount of time, too. She's dead for, like a scene yes. yeah a split it's second and it's like oh, like if she yeah. if she had landed in front of the ohm and like closed her eyes like they were gonna hit her yeah and, like they stopped and then they healed her wounds with their, their little golden tentacles yeah. and she, that's how she survived <laughs> i absolutely would have been fine with that no problems okay. whatsoever because you kind of see the same thing again like i i don't want to beat this horse completely to death but like mononoke has the yes. same plot device yeah and yeah there it bothers me less so i do think it is kind of yeah it does feel kind of like a last minute edition and it's the prototype it was. Apparently it was. i'm telling you it's, this it's... this whole movie is the prototype for the next like the rest of his <laughs> career and then like obviously we've gone off the rails entirely by this point you know where he's like hey i just want to make like a story about the guy who designed airplanes but 
<laughs> this there's yeah like a lot of the things that are irksome i can see being done better only because he turned around and did them better he the very next day better. you know yeah exactly it's, so yeah uh, yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's and once again uh, it's it's a minor gripe like i still think everything around that section is good like yeah. I, I i like i like the in credit scenes with her like keely the valley with the group i like that i like Everything about I like I like that she does actually get injured like yeah. uh, in the when she receives the baby I like that she gets shot I like that she gets acided as well super bad like, I thought up. that yeah. was great um, but like her fake out death just wasn't needed either either kill her or don't like, yeah <laughs> sorry uh, that's just kind of how it works for me yeah um, I, I getcha once again we're ending on positives so now we're in favorite moments oh so. boy oh god can I do a cheat one. Depends on sure. what it is. <laughs> the glider. Any anytime ah. she jumps on that glider, man, it's okay. I, and I have some <laughs> specific moments, but like, oh, just oh, I love it. I love it so much. You're not alone because someone actually made a functional version of that mm-hmm. glider in real life. Mm-hmm. I don't know how practical it is, but it works. <laughs> not so. practical at all. <laughs> I have to imagine but, this version where but, she's holding above her head could maybe work. I can't imagine sitting on top of or laying on top of it. <laughs> I'm so, sure it so, would slow your descent. It would slow you a little bit. There you go. <laughs> so, so there is an entire game out there, a video game called Sable, that very much like tries to yeah, capture wait. that vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, in that case, it's more like a speeder bike, a la Star Wars, but like it has that same kind of to it. So you're not alone in that in any way, shape, or form. The yeah. glider rules. Every time it was on screen, I'm right it there with you. I'm like, if the glider's I, I not on screen. It. Everyone should be asking, where's the glider? <laughs> uh, no, I think that, that, that feels like a good cheat one. <laughs> I admittedly, I also just like things that fly, and Miyazaki does those so well. But mm-hmm. I need, I have this is a very, this is a very deep cut. So in the 90s, there was a TV show called Tailspin, uh, and there was a, a kid named uh, Kit Cloud Runner or Cloud Racer or something, and he would jump out the back of Baloo's cool Cloud delivery Racer? airplane. And he had this little tiny white like fan, like, you know, like a little like hand fan that he would unfurl and he could stand on and hold on to that to like sail around and like skip around on the clouds and stuff. And when I first saw this movie, that was after I had watched that show to death as a kid. So I immediately associate her her glider with his little like cloud kicker. Cloud Kicker is his name. Uh, is uh, no Bush way. Cloud, or Kit, Kit Cloud Kicker. Did I just? I just. Uh, <laughs> that's amazing. Okay, yep. awesome. I just yeah. called his thing a, cl- a cloud kicker because I was like, that sounds. Those two words for some reason are together in my head for that show. And that's, that's his actual name. No, nope, it's his name. <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, I. It just, it's so fun. Not only does it just glide, but it has this engine inside the center of it that she can boost off. And it's got this nice, like low energy hum that's just like Mm -hmm. flies off and it can swoop and dupe and whip and fly all over the place. It's so good. Just a treat to watch. And anytime Miyazaki gets to just have things flying through the air, it's always a hoot. It's Mm -hmm. a hoot. But like uh, it, yeah. So yeah. The glider. I don't think I've ever clocked that, but he does have a lot of like just people flying in air, and (laughs) it is very pretty. Yeah, yeah. He know he definitely knows. It's a lot to do with uh, the sense of motion that you get from the clouds. I think, especially when Mm -hmm. they're high in the air, 
just the animation in his films always nail that feeling yeah. of moving fast through clouds. Like it, uh, I don't know. It's fantastic. <laughs> so I was going to say, I think, I think for a favorite, um, I might also do something a little cheaty as well. Hey. Um, this feels like one of those things that is super, um, where the legacy of it is maybe more important than the actual piece of media itself. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm a big genre fa- film freak. Um, and I often refer to the uh, Alejandro Hodorowski attempted adaptation of Dune as the most important movie that it never got made. Because if it got made, it would mm-hmm. probably not have been as good as The Dream. Yeah. But <laughs> it winds up inspiring Star Wars. It winds up inspiring Alien. Right. It winds up inspiring all these things that then go on Absolutely. to have their yeah. DNA spread out. And I think a lot of the stuff that is in Nausicaa winds up like continuing out and proliferating out and you know jump starting a lot of Miyazaki's career and as we've mm-hmm. been harping on like a lot of the stuff gets carried through and he does it again because it worked well yeah and I think like its legacy is probably one of the most important things if you want an actual moment out of the film um I do I do really like the fight scene with Yupa in oh the airship. yeah it's mm-hmm. really cool it's good and stuff. I also I also just love all the designs of stuff in this like the world feels simultaneously imparsable and completely different from ours but comfortable yes and i think that's like a really really thin needle to thread there yeah and it this is one where like i will put this movie on sometimes in the background and not actively pay attention to it it's just a good vibe it's it's the best good vibes post-apocalyptic nightmare movie that could possibly exist so yeah i think i think the legacy of it is the thing that really gets me is i'll see stuff every so often i'll be like oh ah, i see what you're doing there i got gotcha, you i got gotcha. you um so i i have two but one of them we already kind of talked about um yeah. oh man i have no light on and it's getting very dark oh no uh, <laughs> sorry um uh, anyway, uh, so I have two. Uh, first one uh, we kind of already talked about, which is the centipede monster. I really liked that sequence. I thought it was really fun. Uh, visually, like I, lo- I liked that monster a lot. But uh, my actual, real, like full favorite moment um, is honestly the uh, the climax. So the the buildup of the ohm like coming towards them and getting closer, and the the way that's done visually with it just be kind kind of like looking like just like a black mass with just like some red like dots in it as they get closer and closer and closer and closer and closer is very threatening like it's uh, the way that that builds like from the moment that she like attacks the clown car gets is attacking the clown car all the way to the end is like really good like tense like lead up you know the god warrior stuff is there too which is great um, but you will, of course, we all know it's going to fail and not work. And so watching that fall apart as they get closer and closer and it's just, it's just a very well put together sequence. Like I, I think as much as the, uh, Pidgeite stuff kind of made me kind of like look away from the screen every once in a while to look at my phone. Um, that scene, like from, from the climax to the end, I was like tuned in like 100%, like on the edge of my seat, like, Oh man, this is intense. And once again, this was my first time watching it, so I, I had no idea. So I was very like engaged and really interested, and um, yeah. I just I just thought that stuff was fascinating. I thought it was really well shot, quote unquote. Shot, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, tough sh- whenever shot. Yes, <laughs> it's tough when um, we move from like uh, a you know like film to animation or well, comic. <laughs> uh, to, to to me, like it's still I still, shot. U- I still use the terms. Uh, 
yeah, I still use the yeah. terminology shot because yeah. especially in this film uh, me, with Miyazaki, like they're storyboards. I mean, oh, he yeah. story, like, they storyboarded this all out. Like they shot it, you that's know, true. like with animation cells. It's the same concept. Yeah. It's just not, you know, that's not a physical camera. Yeah. I know a lot of people, yeah. a lot of people on the internet right now are making that argument about like how <laughs> anything CGI is not like cinematography and it's like well, uh, it okay is. that's not i mean it yeah. is it's an incorrect statement but anyway uh yeah the climax for me though was just the best part of the movie it's I absolutely rad it. I, honestly um, the reveal of the the god warrior in his like ramshackled form falling apart this ancient mm-hmm. like deific weapon and like how powerful it was and how devastating an army of these lads just like kicking around must have been yeah. Uh, it's just. It's, well, it was really fascinating for me, too, because once again, I had never seen this, but I had seen the short film. Oh, so yeah. Seeing that, seeing mm. that design come over the hill with the teeth, and I was yeah. like, ah, oh, you know, like. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, you could kind of see it in its, like, little pod, yeah. like when they show the, the embryo form. But I yeah. was like, I wonder how much it's going to look like the, the, the short film that I saw. And then when it pop- yeah. crawls over the hill, I was like, oh. It's, yeah. <laughs> this, and honestly, going back to Mike's point, there are, like, it's so hard being a fan of like a lot of older films or like really getting like engrossed in kind of like the prime decade of like cinema, which was like mm-hmm. eh, late seventies to like, I can graciously right up say the, right up to the nineties is right up say. to the nine. I can graciously <laughs> say maybe some of the nineties cause we get, we do have Terminator yeah, two in there. Yeah. You got so, T2 right at the beginning, Jurassic you know, park right at the beginning. There's yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Push that. And you get Jurassic parks in the 94. Okay. So, you know, in the nineties, okay. We had one era of the best movies ever made and that's not just nostalgia talking. I mean, like, uh, like artists were allowed to create something that was not just purely a product. <laughs> And man, it just like when you see these things replicated again, the entire intro of Force Awakens, where you have Ray with this like upbeat music and she's like going around, she's exploring this like cavernous thing, Nausicaa. And my brain was just stuck yeah. there the whole time. Honestly, honestly, and they, like, I, I, I don't know for sure, but I would not be surprised. And she's if in the court, JJ Abrams the... was like, yeah. saw Nausicaa and you know, was like, ooh. <laughs> it's, it's you know and it's just like i mean she's wearing a mask and everything do it in, in, be- in better Lincoln's. are you gonna do it better because you've you've seen it done before and so that means you have years to research and fin- like finesse your variant of it and then it's like eh, no and so like it, it like yeah this anyway I, I guess we can probably get into final thoughts yeah now. final thoughts <laughs> yeah uh i mean we kind of we've kind of summed up our thoughts like over time but this yeah. is just really just to kind of finalize to, like that that to, last nugget to wrap it last up, little <laughs> i think this movie is fantastic it's really great uh, uh if you watch it and you watch a lot of miyazaki movies if you kind of like mainline all of them i think going in order is honestly the best not because of the continuous nature of the story yeah but the continuous nature of the talent and growth behind it watching studio I- ghibli evolve from this to mononoke is like you can see a straight line and it's beautiful and it's gorgeous I would say do a triple feature if you if you if you want to binge triple feature of this Laputa Island in the Sky yep and, uh, Castle in the Sky and um, Mononoke oh my god are a great yes. like trio where like but you can very clearly see 
start with this one. Start with this, because yeah. then you see, like, okay, what if we refined these character traits? What if we refined this action mm-hmm. sequence? What if we refined this monster design? And then you go back and you do the next one. Okay, what if we refined it a little bit more? What if we, like, tuned this mm-hmm. in? What if we focused it on this? Those two are sisters of this. They're daughters of this project, I should say. Yes. Those two are sisters, but they are born from this project, from Nausicaa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and without Nausicaa, like... There's just so much cinema that could never have happened. And it's just, it's beautiful. It looks beautiful. It sounds beautiful. All the designs of every airship and every glider are beautiful. The weapons are beautiful. The costume designs are incredible. There's not a single facet of this movie that I find truly irksome in a way that I do in other films. And the only things that I do find irksome are essentially like, oh, right. He did this slightly better two years from now. Yeah. Yeah. And that even in that, that's like such a nitpicky complainy thing. But I love this movie. Uh very worth checking out. Very glad to end anime month with it. <laughs> also, like, if you don't speak Japanese, this is the one time I'll say it. Just watch okay. the dub. Just watch the dub. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just watch the dub. It's, this is the yeah. one the one animation studio that gets like consistently good American dubs. Yeah. Uh, across the so, board, yeah. You're pretty safe with Ghibli's dubs. Yeah. Across the board, yeah. you're pretty safe. Uh you want to go next? Mike? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I love this film. This is this is a great, great piece of work from them. Um, and yeah, it's I, I cannot recommend this film and the early Ghibli films strongly enough in terms of like, I, I really love these. I've revisited them time and time again. Like, I think Princess Mononoke might have been the first like piece of anime i saw that was not like a single episode of dragon ball z at a friend's house um which did admittedly like at the time i was like 12 it did kind of put me off anime for a little bit because it's not like mononoke is not a western like idea of how you tell a a hero's journey story but looking back on it like you know mononoke i think i think at the end of the day is probably my favorite out of their the the entire catalog but like this is a real close second and on the right day, this might be the one I prefer, but man. Yeah. Check out some Ghibli if you haven't already. I mean, you're listening to a Kaiju. Yeah. You probably <laughs> checked out studio Ghibli at some point, but some point, it, yeah. Rewatch if, it. if you didn't, vi- if you didn't vibe with Ponyo, if you didn't vibe with like <laughs> Howl's moving castle, the more touchy feely ones, mm-hmm. try these ones out. They are a little bit, maybe more your speed while not being grave of fireflies, um, which is, um the 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 hayao miyazaki oops all bummers episode (laughs) oh my gosh oh boy that's a that's a ride and a half oh yeah yeah these are all good ones check it out really it's and i think they're all on hbo max now for Uh, us folks yes like you can just watch everything Ghibli's ever put out, which is pretty rad. It's awesome. Yeah, it was oh. a pretty cool. It was a pretty cool day when they announced that they got the rights to all of the Ghibli catalog. I was yeah. Like, oh, all right. It, it's That's also cool. convenient in this age of streaming that like, <laughs> yeah, these un- unconnected films are all yeah. in one spot. Because, yeah. I, man, God, I, I can't even tell you the. I mean, the other day, like this is a random tangent, but uh, Rob and I were talking about Kung Fu Panda because uh, we were talking about uh, Puss in Boots. Uh, the most mm-hmm. recent one and yeah. uh i was like oh i haven't seen kung fu panda in a long time i should go rewatch him or something i have a three-year-old too so it's you know really yeah the perfect time for it here. yeah and uh and <laughs> the first one is on netflix 
No, it's the third one. The third one's on Netflix. The first one is on Paramount Plus, and the second one is on no streaming services. And I was like, yep. what? how does someone just not own the rights to all three of these to stream them in the same place? It's so bizarre. So, I mean, yeah, for for Ghibli, it's, yeah, having them all in one place is fantastic. It's a fantastic yeah. thing for sure. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, uh, so my final thoughts, uh, I'm just going to echo pretty much everybody else. Um, <laughs> once again, I had never seen this one. Um, I, I've been kind of like mixed with uh, Ghibli films over the years. I've seen, like, I saw Princess Mononoke back when it was on Toonami, like, yo, way, way long time ago. Uh, I, I uh, saw parts of Howl's Moving Castle. Um, obviously, I've seen, I've seen Grave of the Fireflies. Um, I've seen, uh, <laughs> um, uh, I've seen a uh, various just smattering of others uh, over the years. Uh, but this yeah. is one that I had never seen because a lot of people told me, and I didn't know that this one came first, but a lot of people told me that this was just a ripoff of Mononoke. Mm. And so I, I I just was like, oh, well, I've already kind of seen that one, so I don't know if I really need to watch it. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I really enjoyed my time with this one. I thought it was really, really fascinating. Um, I liked the... I like that it was really thought provoking, but also not overbearing with yeah. what it's trying to say. Um, I think it had a really good balance of everything. Uh, I loved the monster designs. Uh, I loved uh, uh, Nausicaa as a character. Um, I just think it, it has a lot of strong points uh, across the board. Um, did I have a couple of little nitpicky things with it? Yeah, but it didn't ruin <laughs> my feelings of the movie. It was just kind of little things that, once again, we say it all the time on here, but like we're 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 a review podcast, so we notice these little things more often than most people would just because our brain is in that mindset of trying to critique something. Yeah. So, um, I think if I had seen this when I was younger, I wouldn't have even thought about the ending thing that I was thinking about mm. when I watched this. Uh, but ne- being the person that I am now, you know, like it definitely stood out to me, but, yeah. uh, but overall, yeah, I highly recommend this one. Uh, like we were saying though, if, if you want to watch, um, Mononoke, uh, after this, I think it's perfect. If you watch Mononoke before this, you might see this kind of, as I was saying, how some people say it's kind of a ripoff. Because it does kind of have a lot of the same themings, a lot of the same character stuff going on. It's a little, it's a little, it is a little samey, but uh, Mononoke is an uh, evolution of what he was saying in this movie. So, yeah, I, I think I think it, it's great on its own merit. I think it is worth watching. And once again, it's very easy to find, as we were saying, on HBO Max uh, if you're in the States. Uh, so if you are curious about Miyazaki's uh, uh, repertoire, uh, this is a this is definitely a good place to start, I think. I think it gives you kind of an idea of his style of storytelling, I guess is what I would say. Um, but so um before we do all of our goodbyes we have to talk about next month so uh we've already kind of talked about some of what we're doing next month but we're gonna uh, fully announce everything this time yeah so starting off the month we're going back to the past in more ways than one yes so starting off um and beginning of march we have 65 the new adam driver dinosaur thriller movie coming Mm -hmm. out uh, we will be doing a special report with a guest. Hey. And that guest is Coleman. Uh, Coleman will be joining us for the special report. See back it's going to be the a lot past. of fun. Did you see the ah, thing I did there? Ah. We're watching a dinosaur movie, but also Coleman is going to be back on the podcast. And that? we're going back to the past again ah. because we're covering the sequel to a movie that we've already covered, where we were covering Carnosaur 2 at the middle of the month. And that one Marissa will be joining us for because yeah. she was here for the first one. 
Why? Listen, Why the Carnosaur movies? Listen, oh boy. the first one was a nightmare, but apparently I've been told... Okay, here's the thing. When I, when I said when we were like, oh, we'll watch the first one, I was like, okay, yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. And I was like, okay. And I watched it. It was terrible. It was, re- it was viscerally wretched. <laughs> and then now everyone's telling me, okay, well, the first one actually is really bad, but this next one we promise is actually good. So it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be trashy, which is what Rob loves. So I'm hoping that it's going to be fun. No forced uh, impregnation of, with dinosaurs. Nope. No, no spot to fetish in this one, supposedly. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so that's in the middle of the month, but the real big announcement is what we're covering at the end of the month. Cause we have not said this to anyone other than our patrons. Um, so what we are doing is we're doing Dino crisis one, uh, for the PS1, the PS1 Yeehaw. classic. Uh, Coleman will be joining us for that episode as well. So he will be there for Dino Crisis. But, uh, leading... but Kyle, I've, I've never I've never played Dino Crisis. How can I be able to talk about it? Well, good news for you. So we will be streaming Dino Crisis on our Twitch channel. Uh, we will have uh, a full schedule of meetups of when we're going to meet up. We're going to start... Probably the very first week of March, maybe the last week of February, but most likely the first week of March. Yeah. We haven't gotten those dates exactly down yet, <laughs> but it'll probably be three or four streams, probably four if we're being generous, maybe three if I'm fast. <laughs> um, depends on uh, if I remember how to beat the game. Um, but um, I'll have game facts yes. open. You know. <laughs> oh, oh, there, there. I will openly admit, I will openly admit right now, I'll admit it when we're streaming. I am not dealing with the DDK password system in that game. I'm looking it up. I'm <laughs> never doing it again. I, I've done, I did it when I was a kid. I'm not doing it again. It's a pain in the ass. <laughs> I will do every other puzzle by memory. I'm not doing the DDK puzzle system. Not happening. It's a word substitution puzzle. It's the dumbest thing in the world. It's probably going to be my least favorite moment when we cover the episode. So... <laughs> Just know that. But anyway, but it's going to be a very exciting Dinosaur Month. We're all very excited for it. Um, it's great to have uh, Coleman come back and Marissa's excited. Well, excited in air, air quotes, quotes to watch Carnosaur. If it's bad, you know, it'll be trash. Um, but um, that's going to be uh, March. Uh, we're very, very excited for that. We have a uh, very fun April lined up uh, that we're not going to talk about yet. Uh, but uh, we have a great April lined up. Uh, and then... Uh, we have a we have a good a good other three months of the, of I the actually, year already. I think we can stone, reveal so. what April's going to be. I'm going to be doing Bug Month too. Uh, <laughs> I'm really excited about this. Just a normal normal Bug Month. Uh, I know last time things got a little weird during April, but this time just a normal sure, bug yeah. themed month again. Of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. When you mess up the first time, you just try again. You just got to try again. <laughs> I wonder how many fans of ours are going to actually get that. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, real quick, uh, got to do the bumps. So thank you to all of our patrons for supporting us. Uh, Behind the Mask, June 13, C. Stafford, Caleb Talley, David Noyes, Destroya, uh, Joe Jira, Jonathan BBQ Nerd, Joshua, Julio, Melissa, Pilo, William, Kelly, uh, Big Odillo, Jack Butcher, Jesse Hickman, Uis, Mania fan, uh, Nathan Town, Solid Snake, uh, Super Pawn, uh, Super Pawn, God, I haven't seen this one, Super Pawnage Guy again, uh, William Kish, Cool Man Cottenham, Great Whistle Crumb, Jack Horowitz, Kyoitoshi, Nicholas Whale, Nugget Coon, 
Taylor Ward, Chris Britt, Eric Schuster, Joshua Lynch, Oda, uh, and then uh, welcome back uh, to our patron, Shy Cake, uh, who is a returning patron. And then we also have two followers on our patron, Annie Sexton and Joey Har. Uh, so thank you guys so much for supporting the cast. We appreciate it. We wouldn't be able to do what we do without you guys. Um, really helps us out. If you want to be a patron, of course, just go to patreon.com, search Tokyo Lives. You'll find us on there. Lots of fun reward tiers, like getting a full extended uh, edition of the episode, which I'm sure this one is over four hours long at this point. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a lot of good fun. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Twitter at Tokyo's cast, uh, Facebook to search Tokyo lives, uh, Tokyo'spodcast.com is the website, uh, iTunes. If you leave us a review on iTunes, we will read it on the cast as soon as we notice it. And <laughs> that's going to be it. Um, so, uh, of course, uh, thank you, uh, Mike for, coming on to the podcast it was no a worries, no worries. it was a blast yeah man uh, <laughs> i hope you had fun <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. i look forward to doing more D nights and uh, if you ever want to come talk about giant monsters with us ever again actually in october we exclusively do creature features so uh, you might know. be you might be able to squeeze me in on one of those. <laughs> I, 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 I love a good sloppy creature feature oh yeah the good stuff so uh but yeah thank you so much for coming stopping by is there anything you want to plug anything you got going on or uh, not really. Uh, okay. I, I have things. I have things going on. I just don't plug them anywhere. Fair. Um, I, I guess if you that's fair. If, you, if you're desperate to find me on the internet, I am on Mastodon. I am at Holy Mountaineer at dice.camp. <laughs> nice. Um, Horizontally. If, Horizontally. <laughs> if that if that is something that interests you, um, I post there occasionally. It's mostly about role playing games and occasionally movies. So, there you go. Uh, that's, that's the only only social media I got left. I gotta go right. Mastodon account. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks uh, everybody for listening. Uh, we'll see you in Dinosaur Month coming up real, real soon. And I uh, hope you guys all enjoyed us talking about Nausicaa and Anime Month. <laughs> all right. Bye, Bye everybody. Everyone. Bye. And then at some point you start watching one of two options. The first is like insane horror movies. The other one is Kung Fu movies. And like you, ju- you just get to that point. Like that's your enlightenment. You're like, actually, <laughs> actually I, don't, I don't give a shit about what Rosebud represents. I would like to watch two dudes beat the living tar out of each other. I mean, in it's a fucking Kung Fu movie. It's the same concept. I think it can be applied to Kaiju films too. I think it, yeah. it, it works the same way. It's like, uh, do I want to watch? Citizen Kane, or do I just want to watch two monsters beat the shit out of each other? I think I'm good watching two monsters beat the shit out of each other. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I...